Hello everyone, Jay here, and welcome back to the Over Manga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga. Our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting. On this episode, we read Eden Zero, chapters 1 through 28 by Hiro Mashima. Enjoy! Everybody. Hello, Dr. Sam. <laughs> How is everybody doing today? Welcome back to the Overmanga Cast, where uh, we are. Uh, you heard it in the intro from Jay, who's not here, but we read Eden Zero this week. She's here in spirit, I'm sure. Seems like she would uh, enjoy some of the insanity in this particular manga. Because, yes, we, we read uh, Eden Zero from the same guy who made Fairy Tale. You'd never be able to tell, except for all the places we'll point out that you're able to tell. Well, uh, Jacob here, a good illustration of the, uh, let's call it the Angika's signature on uh, his series. I've never seen Fairy Tale, and I recognized most of the characters that were lifted directly from Fairy Tale and put in a completely different manga. <laughs> yeah, as always here at the top of the episode, we start with our familiarity with the franchise. I have no familiarity with Eden Zero itself. I have watched a bit of Fairy Tale. Uh, one of my friends from high school was extremely into it, and uh, I watched a little bit of it as a result. I didn't get terribly far, though. I think I got uh, about halfway through what Netflix offered me. M maybe not even that because uh, I might be exaggerating the amount of what Netflix offers. And that, and it kind of fell away from me there. Uh, the only other thing that I know about it is uh, I like some of the OPs. So uh, basically new going into this, except for where I point at characters and go, hey. Uh, so even Zero is complete new to me. Um, but as far as uh, Hiro Mashima's um, work, I read a bit of Fairy Tale. It wasn't really my jam, so I kind of bounced off of it. Uh, but um, I can just let you know about uh, Welcome to a Story about a Land Conquered by Evil, you know? Because uh, Rave Master was my jam. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're talking about banger OPs, Sam. You gotta give Rave Master the credit where it's credit deserved. Because its dubbed <laughs> opening was done by Real Big Fish. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> I don't know how. I guess they needed the money. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I I am familiar with uh, Rave Master, um, little bit of Fairy Tale, and then Eden Zero, completely new. I've like seen a good number of clips of Fairy Tale on YouTube. A lot of its OST, I have like bumped into sideways. I've never actually like actively checked it out. It's one of those things that's on my list, but it's low enough on my list that I never seem to get around to it. Common refrain, but you know, uh, Eden Zero is not something I'd uh, heard of, but like it is very much, you know, it's like we're joking about characters uh, lifted out of uh, Fairy Tale and you know, put into the series almost completely unchanged. And there is at least a few characters that is exactly that. But like um, one thing that I can't help but notice is the um, there is a uh, feel to it in the same way. Like, for example, Akira Toriyama has a very particular feel like you see an you, you see a piece of art by someone and you're like, oh, wait, I recognize that. Yeah, it's like looking at any piece of Dragon Quest art and being like, oh, hi, Toriyama. There was that sort of sense with this, too. And um I don't know. There, there was something that I, I kind of liked about that. Like the, it sort of gave it like an innate sense of familiarity. 
uh, despite mm-hmm. the fact that as as with my co-hosts, I went in pretty much entirely cold on this uh, particular series. Yeah. And we start as all good fantasy. Eh, well, this one's more sci-fi, but it's it borrows a lot of fantasy elements. Uh, actually, technically, according to the author at the end of the thing we read, um, this is science fantasy. That science is fantasy. the genre specifically he he wanted it to be. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he nails it. I will say he nails it entirely. But we have the classic, you know, shonen fantasy opening of a flashback to when our main character was but a small, tiny boy as he is uh, hanging out with two big robot men. Well, one of them is the same size as him and looks like something out of Nier Automata. The other is a uh, horned figure in a big cloak and they're watching a starry night sky and there's a streaking uh, light and he's like, "Ooh, that star's moving. To which the big man says, that's a dragon, Shiki. <laughs> no, it's actually a comet. I'm screwing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will say, and this is the dumbest thing that is me personally. This isn't even like a complaint or a critique or anything. The fact that Shiki is as close to Shinra as it is, it was really hard for me to learn the main character's name for the longest time. <laughs> They even kind of look similar, though. Uh, that's and they're both anime protagonists. So, you yeah. know, black spiky hair and all that stuff. Yeah, there is there is enough similarity that it's like mm-hmm. hello protagonist. But we get uh, very swiftly into some of the big into the running themes of this manga, two in particular, or actually three big themes. The first one being adventure, because uh, while the little near automata robot, Michael is his name, points out, I think that's a comet, uh, big horned man who uh, Shiki calls grandpa, you'll never really know what it is until you get up there in the sky and get a close look, will you? And that uh, highlights the adventure aspect of this manga, because adventure is going to be a pretty big thing. And then we have uh, Grandpa talking about the importance of friends, people who stay with you through thick and thin. And the final most important thing, everyone has a heart, even the robots. Mm -hmm. No matter how much robots tell you they don't have hearts. (laughs) (laughs) One of the really nice things that I liked about um, like the friendship motif in particular is um, he mentions if you have a a friend who would be willing to shed tears for you, that is a precious treasure worth protecting, which Mm -hmm. I feel is a very true statement. Yeah, I will give this manga all the credit for just right up front in the first three pages saying, here's our themes. If this isn't what you're about, you're not going to like this. Have fun. Mm. Oh, no, this this first like little flashback does a great job of selling you. Hey, this is what the rest of this manga is going to be about. You get the synopsis in about three pages. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's beautiful. I will say the one thing that's worth noting, and this isn't even really a complaint. This is more of a like, if you like, hopefully you've already done the reading, dear listener. But if you haven't, if you're coming to us for more of a recommendation, it's more actiony than the first couple of um, like the first chunk of it will lead you to believe. One of the one of the immediate reactions I got is like, wow, that's a really cool power. I can't wait to never see used particularly well because this seems like it's going to be more of a comedy series and it is it's very funny and it's not like you know i mean it's not dragon ball or anything like it's not trying to be a fighty shonen sort of thing um it's more of a action comedy but um it does uh have more of that than it initially lets on but once this flashback is done cut to the present day where we have a uh 
capsule corp looking ass ship <laughs> <laughs> landing in the ocean and we see our first pair of characters who look like they're plucked right out of fairy tale a young girl and a talking cat oh man rebecca's great i i, I wish I, I remembered the name of the character she basically is from fairy tale yeah, <laughs> i can't remember her name either but i do love rebecca she's a lot of fun yeah happy is also just happy in fairy tale and i think he's also happy in rave master <laughs> but at, at that point that's mostly just the artist likes drawing their little mascot cat that's mm -hmm. you know it, it's kind of cool that it's like um like even if you don't like obviously like like let's not like start like shared universe theories or anything but like sort of like a this is a character that exists across oh. time and space sort of thing R remind me at the end because i have a shared universe theory <laughs> Oh, excellent. <laughs> I love those. But yeah, no, I, I like just the, the amount they do to make it connected, because um, one of the things I noticed was uh, uh, the um, I, I'm, it doesn't get revealed here. It gets revealed later. But uh, Happy is um, the species of cat he is, is from Planet Exceed, which was also the name of the fantasy race of cat people that Happy was a part of in fairy tale was the Exceed. So it's. <laughs> It's just literally like someone took fairy tale and turned the dial from, huh, magical fantasy to science fantasy. Yep. We we even see Natsu in the background at one point. <laughs> He's just there. That kind of owes to that sort of sense of like, even though, you know, like none of us are exactly fairy tale experts or anything, but um, uh, that sort of sense of familiarity of like, this is a thing I recognize through cultural osmosis. It, it, you know, it endears you to the characters quickly so we can get to what makes them unique, you know, that much faster. It gives almost, you a, almost it, in the sense of like a fan fiction to some extent. It gives you a level of innate buy-in that mm -hmm. you normally wouldn't have going into something you've never read before. Speaking of which, uh, we get one of the differences first is uh, Rebecca in this is um, something that we find out is called a B-cuber, which is uh, <laughs> she's an intergalactic YouTuber. Yes. And everything she is doing is for views. And I'm like, ever since I've started this podcast, I have never related with a fictional character. more. <laughs> and hey, if you're if you're currently listening to this on YouTube, remember to like, comment and subscribe. Yes. Do that thing. We read all the comments comments we often discuss them in discord <laughs> <laughs> but yes uh rebecca and happy arrive at the grand bell kingdom uh, your standard mcfantasy town looking island in the middle of this vast ocean and apparently it's a deserted theme park which is why it looks like mcfantasy town because <laughs> it literally is mm-hmm it's it seems to be like specifically modeled after those uh, theme parks they have in Japan for like uh, Dragon Quest has one where you like go around and do quests. It's like, oh, I forget what they're, they're called, like adventure parks or something because they simulate a situation. And Grand Bell is a typical RPG kingdom. Mm -hmm. And all the robots are very excited to have a guest show up because there hasn't been one in a century. <laughs> This place has been very deserted. So all the robots are like, we have a guest. Quick, everybody in positions. Welcome. <laughs> Activate the attractions. Uh, we get Rebecca uh, doing her shtick. Uh, she has like a cat theme with cat ears and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Aoneko channel. Because all channels in this are just named after a sound effect that's um, related <laughs> to what you do. <laughs> 
One of the beach cubers we find out later, her channel is basically the Japanese onomatopoeia for uh, chewing. Yep, she's a mukbang channel. So yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna complain about Rebecca with the cat ears, okay? It's something that gets views. Like I'm not gonna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, should we pretend it doesn't? No, it. Like no. Rebecca acknowledges it gets views. Like. Yeah, anytime she's in a uh, remotely compromising situation, she's like, ah, God, this is so embarrassing, but it would get me more traction. <laughs> <laughs> this would get me a lot of views. Though. There, there's Always on point. that grind. It's for the content. <laughs> there is one point where she uh, makes a comment of, uh, I don't know that this would be age appropriate for my demographic, though, so maybe not. <laughs> but we'll get there. <laughs> one of my favorite Rebecca models. <laughs> yes because there, there's the mindset of yeah i'm okay with this review wait nope mm, this will get me kicked off youtube <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh she and happy decide to go on one of the adventure quests and uh apparently it's a fight a giant monster as a gigantic robot cat confronts them and they're like okay maybe we're not high enough level for this quest but uh, thankfully, before any shenanigans can happen, in drops our main character boy, looking much taller and shaggier than when we saw him in the flashback. It's Cheeky, who just crushes the whole ass robot into the ground, cratering it. Yeah, he's he's kind of gone full wild man at this point. Yeah. Yeah, His uh, <laughs> this first chapter, he's got strong Tarzan vibes. <laughs> Uh-huh. He's got, you know, incredibly long hair that's covering his face. He has a super intense glare all the time. He doesn't speak a lot. The first thing he does when he sees Rebecca is go, wait a minute, you're a person. You have skin. Let me touch it. <laughs> all fairness, he did grow up around robots. So the fact that one has human flesh is definitely like unusual and appealing to him. Yeah. I really like the way that Shiki interacts with people because mm -hmm. like he is he's intelligent and educated, but clearly stunted from not being around people. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of the a lot of the like even a lot of the etchy esque shenanigans that he gets into are really understandable um, from his perspective. Yeah, all, all the etchy scenes in this. Basically, I've never had a problem being like, oh, that came out of nowhere. I'm like. There's an in-universe explanation for this, and I understand it's going to a market. And I, I really want to point this out because uh, the one place where it didn't do that, I couldn't help but notice. So overall, I, I actually really, uh, I, I let myself enjoy the etchy shenanigans uh, in this more so than I have in a lot of other uh, manga that we've done. There was like literally one panel where um, the, the camera was in the place of the chair that Rebecca had just gotten up from. And it's like, it was so out of place that I couldn't help but notice, which honestly, I think is a sign of how good everything else was. Yeah, no, it's like no, I should not have noticed that one errant panty shot. I, ac I actually know the scene you're talking about, because normally what they do for those like weird camera angles, they put you in the point of view of a much shorter character. Mm -hmm. Like normally it makes sense because this is how someone is looking at her. But she was getting up from a chair in the it was it was in the diner. So, Jacob, that that chair was a robot where we're going to find that out <laughs> in the next volume. Yeah, yeah. In the next volume, it turns out it's a robot. But like, honestly, as much as like that's me complaining about an errant panty shot that shouldn't be there, like 
that was the outlier which mm-hmm. like i don't know i really appreciate that like if you're gonna if you're gonna show you know lewd shenanigans you know at least have it make sense diegetically and like i i really appreciated a lot of the etchy a lot more than i do in a lot of other things if it comes out of nowhere it kind of just annoys me because like we have porn for that i just go watch that if that's what i was looking for yeah so where were we <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca has just met uh, Shiki and um, he. Oh, actually, uh, okay. And he is enamored. <laughs> he is enamored with the human form as someone who has never seen another person would be. And like, this is one of those ones where it's like, "Ooh, a cat! Can I eat it?" Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he touching her hair and like her arms and like i don't even think at first he really even recognizes that like grabbing her boobs is inappropriate he realizes it relatively quickly and then she promptly slaps him yeah as he gets quonked on the head (laughs) but it's like it's one of those moments that it's like that's that's honestly more charming than it is anything else uh at which point rebecca uh flees for obvious reasons well after shiki is like he very, very aggressively offers a handshake and says, will you be my friend? I, be I, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> to which Rebecca, and understandably a bit freaked out, clocks him and runs away saying no. <laughs> I believe the entire rest of the way back, he's he's like shadowing her and continuing to ask her to be his yeah. friend. It's like, yeah, I've never really met another human before. Uh, yeah, you don't say, wait, how did you get here? <laughs> she, run, she runs away. He's in a tree branch. Yeah, my late grandpa told me to make lots of friends. Ah! <laughs> She's still running. Yep. And then uh, then they get back to the uh, the fantasy inn, which um, this scene plays out more like a Wild West story to me, but maybe that's just my interpretation of things, because, like, yeah. that inn is hopping. Yeah, it uh, really is. <laughs> As uh, since... Uh, Rebecca is the first guest they've had in a hundred years and uh, they decide to throw her a big party. Also, Shiki is excited to introduce her to all his robot friends. He is the maintenance man. And to her credit, now that Shiki, Shiki's weirdness is a bit more explained, she's not freaking out at the sight of him anymore. She's like, oh, it's actually kind of endearing. <laughs> Yeah, and and he is also calmed down to a large extent at this point. And like one of the things that I can't help but notice, and this is a this is a very consistent through line, Rebecca and Shiki are actually a lot alike in terms of personality. Like they make for good friends. They have a lot of similar interests and they have a lot of similar impulses. Shiki introducing himself to Rebecca was a very weird thing because he grew up under weird circumstances. But once um, everybody's calmed down and they get a chance to talk, they seem almost instantly, exactly as Shiki would want, they seem like friends. And it's very genuine because of how both like bright and happy and optimistic and energetic they both are. But as all this fun time partying is happening, a messenger runs off to the castle to tell the Castellane that the time has come. Oh, no. <laughs> what dark portents are these? We'll have to find out tomorrow as Shiki. Uh, it, he explains that he is the uh, the repairman here. He's never left this place, even though he probably could, because then who would be left to fix these guys? Anyway, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. At which he he passes out into the table, which 
crashes into the floor. <laughs> Which is a very shonen protagonist thing to do. <laughs> yes. That's another thing. Uh, to a large extent, Rebecca is almost the bigger eater than Shiki is, even though Shiki also has that shonen protagonist uh, trait as Actually, well. I, I would argue Rebecca is the big eater. I, Shiki doesn't eat that much. Like, everyone else was at a party, so... Yeah, meanwhile, literally anytime there is food on panel, Rebecca's going at it. Like, <laughs> they, they said, we're having a party, we're gonna have a big feast, and Rebecca was like, ooh, food, and Happy had to be like, we had a pretty big lunch, like... <laughs> <laughs> she's like yeah but i always have room for more delicious food oh man but uh she I'm... eat that much and still have that figure it's up to see the b cuber lifestyle man you gotta <laughs> constantly be running from danger uh, <laughs> unfortunately uh rebecca well, does not wake up in her uh warm cozy bed it's here where we learn something rather important before uh before everyone goes to bed, Michael and the rest of the robots explain that uh, Shiki's late grandfather was another one of the bots who had deactivated a long time ago, and he was known as the Great Demon King. But he was actually kind of a nice guy, so... <laughs> there is something that is a through line for this particular arc, and... I could definitely see um, them having this as a uh, one of uh, another of the main themes going forward. It hasn't so much come up yet, but I feel like it potentially could. Uh, the idea of uh, publicly performing a role, you know, it's a fantasy kingdom. You got to have the great demon king as the final boss of the adventure, right? When he wasn't, you know, being his character as the villain of this uh, of this uh, adventure park, uh, he was actually uh, quite a nice and wonderful individual, which ends up being some really clever foreshadowing of how uh, the rest of this uh, arc plays out. Well, first of all, uh, Shiki wakes up with a haircut because his wild man locks were uh, giving Rebecca the heebie-jeebies. She gave him a haircut in his sleep. Yeah, that's another one where it's sort of, like it's a very cute friend moment. It's also a matter of she's like, can I cut his hair because it's weird? She doesn't just do it like she asks basically Shiki's family's permission. I, I love the family's reaction of, yeah, we've always hated that hair. We just didn't know what to do with it. It looks so bad. They're like, oh, jeez. Rebecca does not wake up in her comfy bed. She wakes up uh, tied to a stake. Finds herself <laughs> tied to a stake in the middle of a crowd. And you might find yourself wondering, well, how did I get here? <laughs> but yes, like the archetypical witch. Except uh, she's in her uh, her sleeping clothes. That uh, she's about to be burned at the stake, ostensibly because the robots have a huge grudge against all humanity, and they were only pretending to like Shiki mm -hmm. because uh, humans had abandoned them, uh, made them, and when they were no longer useful, threw them away and uh, left them all alone on this planet with no purpose. Now that Rebecca's come here with a with a ship, they can escape. Mm-hmm. It was a long con to prove to Shiki that he has no friends and everyone <laughs> always hated him. I don't I, I don't know. Everyone else, how long did you let this uh, go on before you realized something was up? The other thing that's worth noting is that we don't really know the cosmology of this universe yet. Mm -hmm. We don't know if, like, this is a planet that's in the throes of a post-apocalyptic robot fight. Because, like, when we see um, Rebecca's ship initially, it looks like it's just an airship flying over the ocean. So mm -hmm. for all we knew, this story was going to take place on one planet. I even thought, look at this one-piece-ass island <laughs> when, I was when we first saw it. Uh, the idea of the robots actually, like, genuinely feeling abandoned and programming is screwed up... 
the thing that tipped me off that maybe there was some performance to all of this is any time that um, Shiki tried to come up with an explanation for what was wrong with them. Like there was a point where he's like, you guys must have been infected with the virus. And they're like, yes, and the virus can't be gotten rid of. So we'll kill you now. Like the the fact that they kept changing their story on exactly what was going on. The part that did it for me was, I think also the part that almost uh, got Shiki to realize that something was up was at one point, uh, like Shiki goes to save Rebecca from being burned at the stake. And a whole bunch of the robots like surround him and start gang stomping him, except he gets up and breaks free. And he's like, that didn't hurt at all. Were you guys even trying? I was too busy enjoying this near automata moment. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a great like action scene. It's just it's a world where robots put on performances for human beings. So the fact that this turned out to be one. You know, the thing I thought that this was really well done, like the point where I started to be like, is this a performance when the king uh, starts fighting um, Shiki? Mm -hmm. He's acting like a wrestling heel. Yep. He's trying to be a jerk. Like he's trying to be a jerk and get to get the two humans and the talking cat to hate him. Yeah. And yep. like that, that like trying that hard, I'm like, is he actually not fighting with everything he has? Is he trying to be the bad guy right now? And that sort of the dawning realization of it, I think it was um, the 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 different little clues and and things uh, seeded throughout all of this first um, well, arc is I felt really well done. And, and like I love the part about the fact that it's not even a great performance is still within the fiction because you know who'd be great at being the bad guys? The people who fucked off to space and aren't there anymore. Like, yeah, they don't have the villains. So people who aren't normally bad guy actors have to make up stuff on the fly. Like, that's why they're not great at it. Exactly. And like, uh, Shiki is sheltered and doesn't have a lot of genre savviness so he falls for it like hook line and sinker rebecca is admittedly she should have seen through it but she was in the middle of being potentially burned at the stake you can forgive her for being a bit freaked out and moreover she has no context for what's going mm -hmm. on exactly honestly i think the thing that one of the big things that actually worked in favor of the characters not figuring it out, even though it was pretty, uh, pretty well uh, hinted to the audience, the thing that made Shiki stop trying to get, he tried to get through them all the way through to the end. When he started throwing punches back, they're all stomping him. And obviously this is a ploy to get him to hate them. But the thing that made him get up and, you know, say, I thought you weren't serious because it didn't hurt. They were about to kill Rebecca. They were about to do violence on uh, on a human. From Shiki's perspective, that's unforgivable. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to stop you now, you know, mm -hmm. and I promise I'll fix you. I'm just going to have to break you a little extra beforehand because you're resisting. Because I mean, that's the big thing about Shiki that we get like further elaborated on. But it's very clear in this scene. You can hurt him all you want. That's something he can deal with. You threaten to hurt one of his friends. That is an unforgivable thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the potent things is uh, 
as Shiki is getting gang stomped, uh, Rebecca can't tell that it's not actually hurting him. It looks like this poor boy is getting ganged up on and is about to be brutally murdered in a very painful fashion. So she starts crying, like, stop hurting him. Humans and robots don't have to be enemies. You know, Shiki sees her crying and remembers the wise words of his grandfather. If a friend will shed tears for you, that's a treasure worth protecting. And we learn that, yeah, no, Shiki isn't just a wild man who has a lot of potential fighting power that way. Uh, he's got magic. <laughs> <laughs> he's got techno magic. Yep. He has something that Rebecca calls ether gear, and it lets him control gravity. Yeah, so... <laughs> You guys want to talk about the, the ether gears right now, or do you want to wait? Uh, we should probably wait because more people get revealed with ether gears, but yeah, more ether gear gets revealed later. All of them are kind of dumb in their own way. <laughs> well, as a, like the long and short of it, they're essentially like a cybernetic implant that allows you to process the natural ether in the environment. Mm -hmm. to create the specific type of ether you use that, like, it uses. Like, Shiki's is a gravity uh, ether drive, so it allows him to process the natural ether in the environment to create gravity ether, which essentially he mostly uses to either make things weightless or super heavy. Uh -huh. Well, actually, he has another trick. He uses it in clever ways. One thing that he does that he has a tendency of doing a lot is he will change the direction of gravity so it allows him to fall, like, forward. Fall sideways in order to fly. Allows him to move uh, in a really dynamic way. I really think it's cool. It's not just like gravity does whatever we say it does. There is some extent where it's like if you really want to parse out exactly how you know, this, that, or the other thing would work. You know, it's like he he forms, like, gravity pellets and throws them at people. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's silly at times, but, like, I think it's used very creatively, and it, like, stays yeah. within its theme in a uh, meaningful way. It It's also got some big thematic resonance. Shiki can control gravity, and he says that this is the power he inherited from his grandpa. And... As we will learn going forward, the uh, Demon King had a great amount of magnetism that drew people to him. And Shiki draws people to him mm -hmm. and they become his friends. He has a metaphorical gravity and a very physical gravity. Some kind and of black hole of friendship. Some <laughs> kind of event horizon of camaraderie. <laughs> well, maybe not that last one. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually... But, uh, Actually, there's even another layer to it as well, because um, gravity can also have a negative element to it. And you could say to some extent, uh, getting tied down to the planet by its gravity is an element that basically ended the Demon King's story and stalled Shiki's story. But the gravity gear can reverse gravity as well, and it can yep. allow you to fly away from the thing holding you back. So the the plasticity of how it's used is also uh, resonant in that way. And we have a moment that I very much enjoy and really cements Rebecca as maybe not my favorite character, but definitely in my top five in this manga. Shiki blasts off to where she had parked her ship 
and he drops her and happy off and is like all right now get out of here i need to stay and deal with this i'm going to sacrifice myself to defend and she grabs him by the collar and drags him along like no we're friends you're coming with me i'm not leaving you to die it's great the other thing that was mentioned in passing um that we find out is actually true is that Shiki actually isn't as good a repairman as he thinks he is. There's an auto repair system uh, that has been keeping the robots uh, functional up to this uh-huh. point. I, I love that because that, that just gives me strong vibes of um, uh, Kung Pao enter the fist. <laughs> we trained him wrong as a joke. He knows the opposites <laughs> of what he just thought he was repairing things because their entire job is make humans think they're doing things. So they thought Shiki could be a mechanic. And it's great because it comes up later because Shiki tries to repair things and can't. Yeah. Uh, It's funny, but it's also kind of sad. Sad for the character. Funny for the audience. Yes. Yes. It's a good blend of it. It's also very much a case where, like, honestly, I kind of want Shiki to actually learn how to repair robots because, you know, fixing damage is a thing that's sort of tied with his character. He has a... Nice isn't the right word, but like the idea that he could go to someone and, you know, help them out in that way. Yeah, he has a very generous aura about him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. When uh, later on is confronted very directly with the fact that, no, they weren't lying to you. You actually can't repair robots. It's it's funny. It's a it, it's played as a joke and it's funny, but it is also a bit of a character moment that he realizes that he's going to have to come to terms with the fact that he never actually did fix any of those robots. Yeah, it doesn't linger on it in a way that like ro- that, you know, sours the joke or anything mm-hmm. like that. But like that's that's, I think, kind of an important element of his character. Mm-hmm. Another important element of his character is the constant jokes that the thing he learned on fake RPG theme park land don't apply to reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But too. At one point later, he's he changes jobs to thief <laughs> and starts stealing. That is such a funny bit. <laughs> he awakened to crime. <laughs> he just starts committing crimes. He was good boy protagonist until he realized, wait, I can do crime. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, this is an opening chapter, which means it's as long as four chapters. Mm. Uh, but these last 10 chapters honestly um, really sealed my enjoyment of this manga because for one it's like no this is not an adventure on a single planet this is an adventure through the cosmos they launch off into space mm-hmm. into and- the sakura cosmos whatever the hell that means well no it means there's tiny sakura petals floating through space it's very clear what that means Jacob. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry you didn't get the very clear. It's not even a metaphor. It's a descriptive term. That's why I don't understand. (laughs) So Shiki face pressed against the glass is like, oh, we're in space. This is amazing. This is so cool. Hey, what's that shooting light? Oh, that that's a dragon. He got close enough to see it was a giant metal space dragon. Mm-hmm. And uh, we cut back to Grand Bell, where the Lord Castellane is lying in the ground after being defeated by Shiki's big attack. And he's having a flashback to uh, the night before, where after he said the time has come, it's like our repair systems are about to run out. But now that another human has come here, Shiki 
he can leave. We can send him into the sky. Once we start moving, he would have been all alone. If we didn't pull this kind of stunt, he would have stayed here forever. Had to pull a Shiloh. <laughs> I've always hated you, you stupid dog. <laughs> yeah. My favorite bit is uh, Michael, who, you know, looks like one of the machines from Nier Automata. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Mashima, I understand. You played that video game, <laughs> but he's standing there remembering the same flashback we saw at the start of the manga and the Demon King saying that everyone has a heart. And uh, as his mechanics are failing him and he's about to fall down, Michael thinks to himself, if I had known it was going to make me so sad, if I only knew I would feel so lonely, then I never needed a heart in the first place. There's as with one final beep and all the robots fall down, never to move again. And like, I gotta say, this is this is an etchy action comedy. Like I didn't even I wouldn't even consider it a shonen, even though it has some really good action scenes, especially later well, on. You kind of have to consider it a shonen because shonen's a marketing designation, not so much a genre. Like hey, but a little I'm, column A, little column B. Referencing shonen as a genre, it's not so much that. But um, the thing about Eden Zero is that a story like this generally generally speaking is sold almost entirely on its etchy, which is why I tend to, you know, bounce off these sorts of stories. Wow, does this manga have heart? I, I was not expecting to get hit in the feels like uh, when I watched all of the robots die. I was not expecting Eden Zero to do that to me. Like, and the thing is, that's not even the biggest emotional gut punch. It's not even the best one. And like, they're all through it. <laughs> like, there are so many really, really emotionally impactful and deeply sincere mm -hmm. moments all throughout this that just made me feel, I gotta tell you, Etchy action comedy stuff is absolutely my trash. So this would definitely be like one of those turn your brain off fun things. But like, man, I got sucked into this so hard because like the care and craft put into the emotional scenes that makes all of the other stuff more engaging to, you know, pay attention to. Like this is it blindsides you with how good it is because it's. The stereotype for this sort of story is that it's completely empty. But um, yeah, we're we're in the soccer cosmos. Uh, we are flying our way through space uh, and we are headed back to the um, like, Blue Garden. I, yeah, is it is it um, Rebecca's homeworld or is it just the world she lives on? Because that's where the guild is. We actually learn a little bit about that over the course of this arc in part, but like just generally speaking, um, this is the farthest back she can remember. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And she was on Nora for a little bit then. That's right. I remember now. Yeah. Exactly where she's from is a bit hard to say, which actually, funnily enough, is also true for Shiki. The parallels mm -hmm. between these two continue to pile up. They're great. I love them mm -hmm. both. Yeah. I, wa I, want to, I want to watch them uh, journey the stars forever. <laughs> Did we talk about Mother? A, a bit of an aside where mm -hmm. we go to Mother um, and she like waxes poetic about Shiki having left uh, Grand Bell. Mm -hmm. Will he wreak great havoc as a demon king or become a hero of legend? And this is being spoken by Giant Space Lady. 
Oh, I, re I remember. I see. I forget. This manga does a thing where occasionally two pages will just be completely out of left field from the point of view of a character unrelated to most of the story. Yeah, yeah, they'll, it, it, it will have its occasional non sequiturs. I will give you some exposition now. I trust that this will all mean something in the end because boy had boy had the uh, manga won my trust at that point with the with the really sad robots. OK, so I recognize this picture of mother now because I'm like, wait, hold on. But yep. She yep. she big lady. <laughs> yeah, extremely big lady. Just to give you an idea of the size, granted the planets in this uh universe seem to be uh somewhat smaller than real world rocky planets. Think Mario Galaxy planets. But even with that said, it's still a planet, you know, it would have millions mm -hmm. of people and cities on on it and all that stuff. And this giant space lady can hold one of these planets in her hand like a baseball. Yeah, that is the scale we're talking about. I am a fan of weird esoteric stories that have odd ways of handling continuity. So what about kill six billion demons? Yes. So the occasional cut in by strange omnipotent women <laughs> because there's more than one <laughs> yeah sam i thought you were just gonna say i'm a fan of giant women <laughs> Full stop. I, i'm also a fan of that <laughs> this is not an incorrect statement <laughs> you may commence judging but yes uh at least one other cut in by a strange omnipotent woman a little later on it cements that like while this is your uh, semi-standard uh, fantasy adventure. It's got a certain uh, obtuseness to it that uh, has kept me pretty interested throughout. Mm. We get introduced to a bit of the technology of the universe, uh, the B-Cube, and uh, also <laughs> Rebecca's channel. From her video, I think we can assume her channel is she, while dressed as a cat, gives news stories about things she's done and then shows the clips. It's a very weird format for a channel. She seems to be just a travel vlogger, yeah. It's so weird, then why the cat aesthetic? I guess to compete with all of the video gamers and dogs and food channels and also channels that are just butts. Yeah. <laughs> as we get to see a catalog of what is currently playing on B-Cube as uh, Shiki uh, experiences the modern world from probably the worst source. Yeah, one of them is just a butt in panties that don't even cover a fourth of it. <laughs> like That's another one where like the etchy of this series actually has a diegetic excuse because given... That's just a sex sells moment. Well, that's a sex sells moment. And given Cheeky, of course he's going to notice this. He Like he's only ever met the one female human before. <laughs> even when Rebecca shows him one of her B-Cuber videos and he kind of tries to see if you can look at it from another <laughs> angle. It's a little cube with a 3D video model playing in it. And mm -hmm. he, it, it's like, you could think that he's just trying to, oh, it's this weird cube thing. Let me try to look at it from below. Yeah, <laughs> and Rebecca's like, nice try, Bob. It, it alters its angle so you can't look at my skirt. Another thing that really makes this, um, this series work is that um, like when Shiki does kind of vaguely pervy things, Shiki was genuinely checking out this strange piece of technology he's never seen before. And like, he was already sort of looking at the underside and like, there's this look on his face where he's realizing, wait a second. <laughs> Hold on. 
it's very it's a very genuine moment this is a great amount of power (laughs) but it's like as soon as rebecca tells him to stop he does and it's like this is a game they're having fun they're both enjoying it it's sort of like the same aesthetic that like um the original cutie honey or bayonetta has raunchy things are happening but like you know having Mm -hmm. having the lady be a character who's in control and able to stop it immediately makes it a lot less creepy and skeezy yeah but uh, un- unrelated, one of my favorite uh, Shiki scenes happens in here because as he's watching the video, Rebecca has a little sign off where her and uh, Meowy do like a little cat dance where yeah. it's Meowy, Meowy, Meow or something. Meow, wow. Meow, wow. And um, Shiki starts repeating it and she's just like, don't say that in public. That's not a normal. That's a that's a that's an Internet thing. Stop it. <laughs> don't copy us. <laughs> But they land on Blue Garden, the planet of adventurers, in a big old city with huge skyscrapers and a, a, a river through the air. Cool. I like it. <laughs> and Shiki's like, look at all these people. I've never seen so many humans. I gotta go touch them. There, yeah, there's a one of the running gags is that uh, Shiki wants to make friends with every person and also acknowledge, uh, acknowledge their existence by touching them. The times where he actually gets away from Rebecca because Rebecca will like, you know, grab him. When he says touch, it's like he he's like touching people's shoulders. Like it's not even creepy or any. Well, I mean, it's creepy, but it's not that kind of creepy. So but it's like, I'm going to go do the thing. No, you're not. <laughs> and pulls him back. I'm going to go hit on women. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca has changed her outfit as she is wont to do, and she has added glasses to it. It's very cute. She's like, what? Why are you wearing those? And she's like, well, I'm a digital influ- influencer. I'm kind of famous, which implies she's doing it to disguise herself. And Happy's like, yeah, we don't get enough views for that to be necessary. <laughs> yeah, we actually see her subscriber count at one point. It's fairly low. But hey, what can you do? Uh, unfortunately, before this can be explored any further, uh, Happy gets kidnapped. Just casually. Yeah. This is a really valuable cat. I'm a steal it. And then he leaves. And I'm like, cool, this is an action scene now. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's the other thing where, like, it's not even like he gets snatched off of the street. A guy walks up to them and is like, hey, that's a talking cat. You could probably sell that for a lot of money. He picks up Happy and starts walking away. <laughs> well, no, he drops a, like, jar containment thing over Happy. It's like, this is a cat from Exceed. It'll make a lot of dosh. Anyway, bye. And he uh, drops a smoke bomb and runs off. Well, no, that's the thing. He just starts walking away, at which point um, Rebecca and Shiki are like, you're stealing our friend. What are you doing? And that's when he drops the smoke bomb and ditches. Shiki actually says, friend stealer, you're going to pay. I love Shiki's internal monologue, which also he might just be shouting at the guy. I'm not sure I remember. I'm pretty sure Um, he's shouting at the guy. That would make a lot of sense, actually. But like he he is chasing him by running up the wall and shifting gravity to be like to get around this crowd of people. And he's just going through this like internal monologue of like, you know, Rebecca did tell me there were good people and bad people. And that person stole my friend. So you must be a bad man. (laughs) It's great. There's also as he's running, he's like, that's a person. That's a person. You're a man. You're a woman. You're a man. You're a man. You're a woman. Like he's like going through the crowd and like assessing people. 
Ooh, look, cheek, look. Cheeky, you can't just run through a crowd assessing people's genders, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, Shiki's uh, uh, morality matrix is very simple and effective. Have you hurt my friends? If yes, then you are enemy. If no, you are a uh, friend in potentia. Yep. <laughs> but while Shiki immediately blasts off into action, poor Rebecca is having a trauma flashback before she also leaps into action where she's remembering where she, uh, the time she first met Happy, or as a, as a very small baby, a, a, a young girl, she found this poor, lost, hungry, talking cat. It's like, don't worry, I'm all alone too, but now we can be friends and alone together. And now we get to the most emotionally heartfelt thing of the entire thing. There are other emotional gut puncher, like really sincere moments throughout the entire rest of the reading. But this one, I actually choked up for, oh my God, why is this so well done? Yeah, you really feel for the poor kid as uh, we cut between uh, Rebecca's flashback and Shiki's pursuit as this guy is escaping on a uh, flying motorbike thing. It's really cool, I'll tell you that. Uh <laughs> Get these, like, fun, wacky action scenes intercut with this, like, really, really genuinely somber story of two abandoned children finding solace and family in each other, uh, you know, and... Uh, to to keep with the flashback, it eventually gets met with tragedy and, you know, their their willingness to persevere and overcome that tragedy. Mm -hmm. And in all honesty, I think the fact that we have it intercut with the wacky action scene, because to a large extent for most of this, Shiki doesn't really understand how serious the situation is, but... You know, eventually, like when Rebecca catches up and and, you know, all this stuff is happening, he he recognizes, oh, this is not funny, fun time. I'm going to take this seriously now. And he kind of goes a little terminate, which we'll see more of this. But like mm -hmm. the fact that like Shiki suddenly realizes the gravity, <laughs> the gravity of the situation, he realizes the gravity of the situation and it goes from a fun, wacky action scene to a pretty cool, overqualified hero smash the, the bad guys to great catharsis for the audience. Like, mm -hmm. that sort of transition uh, ends up only enhancing the uh, very strong emotional effect that the flashback has. Yeah, because the tragedy we see in the flashback is uh, Rebecca and Happy are... She even gives Happy his name because... Being with him made her feel happy for not being alone anymore. So he is literally her happiness. We see them playing together, living their little uh, street rat lives. And then a drunk driver hits the cat. And uh, they, they, they don't pull punches on the art either. Um, it's, it's graphic. Yeah, there's Rebecca kneeling there in the street, covered in mud and... Uh, and blood, the blood that's splayed out on the road around the tiny furry body. Um, there's also there's also a really good bit of just some like random civilian background characters where, you know, one of them because she's is hugging he, the she's hugging Happy's body. It's one of those moments where it's like you don't even really hate the guy for saying it, but he's like that. Uh, that's filthy. You could uh, get sick like that. And, you know, someone else points out have a heart she just lost her friend oh not even just someone else if you uh go back and read through it after what we see later that's our good friend the professor what? oh is it i didn't I, notice that 
the one who says, come on now, try to be sensitive is Professor Weeze. Oh, I love that. That makes that even better. Uh huh. This is still interspersed with the action scene. You know, Rebecca runs into uh, Shiki in the middle of a standoff with this thief and his gangbanger buddies. And she's like, you are going to give me my friend back and there is nothing you can do about it. Uh, Happy manages to break free from the baddies and uh, he's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> he, he loses all the fuzz to be a little cat bot that breaks apart into two hand blaster guns that Rebecca wields akimbo and starts headshotting all of these guys. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's and incredibly like cool. And like, this is another case where like, wow, the quality of this, because it would be so easy to make Rebecca just eye candy. It's even more so, it's not just that they made her a badass too, that she can handle herself in tough situations, but like they basically had to damsel her so that she couldn't be involved in the uh, first like active conflict of the story for the sake of Shiki's character and his character arc. Like, so oh, like- we rapidly learn that that isn't going to be the standard case with her. Yeah. So they damsel her in a way that like anybody would get caught and tied to a stake in that situation. It's not that she's you not were confident. taken in your sleep. And then immediately after the next conflict that we see, it almost sets up like she is just going to be damseled all the time in eye candy. But when push comes to shove, she immediately she jumps into action and shows that she is and it, like the other thing is like she's not even necessarily quite Shiki's equal, but um, but like she can handle herself. Yeah, she she has guns mm-hmm. in this setting. She can't use ether or like, but that's she has a way to defend herself, which makes sense because she's a travel vlogger. Mm-hmm. Wait, let, let, hold on, <laughs> that statement doesn't track in full, but in universe, <laughs> she's in a travel vlogger in the Eden Zero universe. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of the bits that I really liked is that lead gangbanger here is the heavy from Team Fortress 2 with his big mm-hmm. minigun. And while she's taken down all the mooks with her rapid fire happy blasters, uh, the big guy has turned the minigun her way and it looks like she's about to be made into Swiss cheese. But Shiki grabs her and elevates her out of the way. And he's like, easier for you to aim now, right? And she unleashes on the guy. And it's and it's like, it's they're a really good team it's shiki performing the save but it doesn't detract from rebecca winning the fight yeah i love that that mook has a great line too because as he's seeing like all these other gangs uh gangsters getting shot in the head with like pinpoint like center of the forehead accuracy he goes who needs accuracy when you can shoot a bunch of bullets because he's got a Gatling gun and he just basically admits he can't hit the broadside of a barn with it. And I'm like, cool, buddy, you are definitely some uh, first fight fodder. Uh, (laughs) Oh, and by the way, we have said that Rebecca has been hitting all these guys in the head, but uh, the bullets are ether bullets. They hurt, but they don't kill. We get told that after the fight, though. So we do get an entire fight of like, did did Rebecca just murder a bunch of people? Uh Like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we learn that Happy had been brought back from the dead as a robot, and he was scared that Rebecca wouldn't love him for it. But no, he's still her happy. God, it's it's such a good scene. It's so cute. And it's it's great because that scene ties back to why she became friends with Shiki was because he said the line, even machines have hearts. 
mm-hmm. which is something she believes fully because if that's not true then happy is dead yeah yeah if if machines can't have hearts whatever happy is is like the creepiest coping mechanism ever mm. yeah uh machines do have hearts and therefore uh Happy is uh, he he uh, was reincarnated as a robot, not even reincarnated, resurrected. It was his body that was damaged in the crash. Mm-hmm. Like his uh, his head his... was uh, perfectly fine. And functionally, like they took his brain and put it in a robot body. Like it's it's the exact same happy. It's not even like it's a program that thinks it's happy. Well, not not his brain, his memories functionally it's not like it's not like this is a imitation or ghost of happy it's the same happy who experienced all the same things as they are making their way to shooting starlight the adventurers guild we cut to uh outer space where a (laughs) the space pirates have learned that shiki has left grand bell because apparently everybody in the universe knows about shiki and him leaving is the catalyst of all this chaos i mean that is explained (laughs) Yes, it is. It is explained. We get a nice, uh, glorious splash page of uh, Ezra Scarlet. <laughs> you mean Elsie Crimson? No. <laughs> it, it's, it's Ezra. It just Jacob, uh, I... Jacob and Sam, you're both idiots. Elsie uh, Crimson has an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same eye that Ezra's hair covers. Well, she has an eye patch, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> clearly she's, she's totally different. You look exactly like my twin brother who has a fake mustache. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the one that it doesn't matter if you have ever experienced any sort of anime culture, you're going to recognize that this is a character you maybe encountered before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she's she's on a lot of the fairy tale uh, volume covers, so yeah, which she's really cute, so that makes sense. That is the one that made me more than any other go. Wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's just the uh, blatantness of Elsie Crimson, <laughs> like like the yeah, the fact that the name is even similar. It's the fact that it's that tongue in cheek is also what makes it work. It's kind of funny at that point, yeah. We're yeah, we're ribbing it, but honestly, it's it's a it's a clever choice in my opinion. See, my my favorite bit was uh, immediately after in the next chapter to celebrate getting happy back that um. Uh, Rebecca and uh, Shiki go to a restaurant that's staffed entirely by Pooh. I love Pooh, the little carrot-nosed dog. Yeah. (laughs) Those are dogs? Those are dogs? What? (laughs) Those look nothing like dogs. We spend some time in Shooting Starlight, where, uh, man, the rest of these adventures are kind of assholes, because there is a giant hologram of Mother, uh, who Shiki's obviously like, who is this giant lady? And uh, Rebecca explains, oh, somewhere in the universe, there's a woman who is grander than all the planets. We don't know where she came from or who she is, but we call her mother and she's so big. We worship her as a god. And I'm like, yeah, honestly, why wouldn't you? (laughs) Shiki looks up at the uh, hologram and says, I feel like I've met her. Like, he doesn't even say definitively, oh, yeah, I know her. It, it's like, huh, she's kind of familiar. Yeah, there's a there's a familiarity. Uh, and uh, oh, boy, that um, with the uh, next arc that got my brain spinning, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but apparently all of the other people in earshot take this as a definitive statement of braggadocious fact by Shiki and start viciously making fun of him for claiming to have met Mother. I don't know why you think this is so absurd, Sam. Like when I went to the Vatican and said, hey, I know that guy, they also made fun of me. <laughs> it's like he didn't even say, yeah, no, I've seen her. He's, he's like, huh, I feel like I've seen her somewhere before. I, she feels familiar. It's like a vague deja vu, like not. It's so innocent. Like you don't understand whenever you're in a crowd of people, you need to be mocked because you're a shonen protagonist. Your dreams need to be told they're dumb so that when you do them in spite of it, you're even better. That's a call <laughs> to adventure. I mean, you you are exactly describing how that works, so yes. <laughs> I mean, you're right. That doesn't mean I have to like it. These people are f <laughs> uh, And speaking of which, how about this <laughs> thought? Oh my god. Yeah, can, we, can, we, can we talk about her? Because, uh... Labilia? Yeah, I talked to Jay about her name, and neither of us were 100% sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Her her name is is dangerously close to something that uh, in dangerously close to an anatomical term. Yeah, yeah, that will will dance around for our iTunes rating. Uh -huh. <laughs> She's a big time bee cuber who uh, all these people are massive fans of. How big time can she be, though, if she's got a serious rival uh, rivalry with Rebecca? Like, I don't think she's as big time as she's putting on, you mm -hmm. know? We don't see her subscriber count, but she also does very specifically say that she picks on Rebecca in particular because she's uh, because she's so small time. And like she like it's sort of the funny thing is um, she even goes into like the psychology of bullying. Like she knows what she is. She says there's not a soul in the soccer or cosmos who doesn't know me to which cheeky response. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> At which point she instantly fell in love with him. <laughs> eh, not yet. <laughs> no, I love this because she continues to rib Rebecca and is like walking away, giving parting shots. And Shiki walks up to her and grabs her hand. And she's like, handshakes are 10,000, buddy. And she starts floating in the air, hanging upside down as Shiki is glaring death in her face, <laughs> saying, you made my friend cry. Yeah, that's the other thing that implies that she might actually be as big as she thinks she is because she is able to charge people a lot for pretty mundane things and then is an awful person to her fans. So, you know, you're supposed to really like this character. She gives a guy a signature and she literally just draws some poo. <laughs> if you were wondering if you were supposed to like this character, but um, <laughs> the other, the thing that I really liked about that moment is, and we see this a couple of times, there's that whole thing about how a friend who's willing to cry for you is a precious thing, but he also takes it very seriously and very personally when someone hurts his friend. He doesn't want his friends to cry for them. The fact that he knows they would is what he cares about. So when you actually do mess with his friends, he like he kind of goes into a bit of a Terminator mode where like all of the humor is gone from his face because like he's a he's a very like happy, energetic, plucky protagonist type. He's you know, he's one of those in a extremely believable way. He just goes into like full serious mode if anyone uh, bothers his friends and, you know, he takes it personally and he takes it seriously. Yeah. And that's something I really appreciate. No, about him. no, Shiki has a Professor Genki switch. He's got fun time, but then he's also got murder time and he can flip <laughs> yep. through those very quickly. <laughs> I, I do kind of like Rebecca's reaction to this entire thing, because before Shiki can lay into her for 
uh, after uh, levitating her up like that, uh, or not Rebecca, Libby, but Rebecca yanks him away before he can start uh, beating up on her. And she falls to the ground, splats her face. She's like bleeding from her nose. She's like, that, that little brat, I'm, he's Rebecca's friend. He'll make for great content. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so the grind never quit mentality is for all B-cubers, big and small, <laughs> got it. <laughs> You're bleeding right now. <laughs> grind never quit. Then we get a great scene, which I realize now the restaurant scene happens after this, uh, but that doesn't really matter, where um, Shiki gets his uh, adventure card digitally printed. Mm-hmm. And they seem to set up a whole bunch of structure for how the guild works that I'm I'm not sure why they did. Because, I don't know if it's ever going to come up again. <laughs> like there's a whole guild ranking system, but they never took any quests. So it was we don't even meet the guild master. Like, yeah, it almost seems like we're uh, skirting around avoiding meeting the guild master. It will come up in a bit. It's almost like the guild uh, setup was a thing in fairy tale, and he, he is uh, using it as base uh, skeleton and nothing else. Like how Natsu's in the background of the the crowd scene yeah. in the guild. Shiki Shiki is like, man, so these guild people, they seem like kind of assholes. I thought being in a guild was supposed to be like a family all coming together. And that's when Natsu's in the yeah. background. <laughs> Rebecca says there was an old manga like that once. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which is I love that tongue in cheek tone. But uh, Shiki is like, all right, so my quest, I'm going to go meet mother. You said nobody's ever done it, so I'm going to go do it first. This is content. The general reaction of Rebecca to Shiki's uh, wacky nonsense is almost always look of shock and terror immediately turns to sparkles and smiles. Content! They're so fun as like... I, I love the dynamic of all I, of them. I, I love the directness of... Basically, at this point, half the characters being social media activists and just like, nope, we need to chase that almighty content to <laughs> do whatever is popular. Like, for example, if some series was releasing on Netflix, you cover that series. Uh, <laughs> Look, we identify with the characters. It's fine. But also it's. It's literally the barest form of motivation and the fact that it's a modern setting. Perfectly reasonable. That mm -hmm. gets them into adventure like. And that's all this wants to be is like, hey, let's go to another cool planet. Let's just keep going to cool planets. In fact, hey, we've got some business to do on Norma. We should go to the planet Norma. And uh, they take off. Yeah, specifically um, to go to see Mother, they have to leave the Sakura Cosmos into uh, outer space. Which Rebecca's ship is definitely not good enough Not for. capable of doing, which again brings up what even is the Sakura Cosmos. But um that aside because honestly who cares it's the east blue jacob yeah. <laughs> basically one of the things that they're told is that the border is extremely dangerous i don't know if it's mentioned here but it's mentioned at some point that one of the many things that makes the border extremely dangerous is it is filled with dragons it's absolutely lousy with dragons a single one of which can take out a whole fleet of battleships not only do they need a ship that can handle outer space in general but also they need a ship that can get through that boundary line and uh that uh um, the decision that they make, they need someone who can give them either a better ship or upgrades to their current ship. So they go to the best science person they know. Yeah. Professor Weiss, the guy that uh, essentially reincarnated uh, Happy as a robot. 
Which even in this sit setting is considered some kind of super science. So is yeah. this one the bit where we get uh, Libby going, um, those fools, they were going to Norma. I guess they're already dead. Oh, no, Libby doesn't say that. Um, but uh, I think it was I think it was the XP pirate. Yeah, it's Elsie. Oh, she, <laughs> she shows up at uh, Shooting Starlight like, where's Shiki? And... Uh, well, no, she pulls some real G Gundam and holds up a picture of him like, have you seen this man? Yeah. <laughs> and nobody wants to talk to the space pirate except one guy. He and some chick were going to Norma and she's like, oh, well, that planet's dead. So I guess they're boned. Yeah. The we, other... get, we get in the picture of Norma and it's like shattered. <laughs> Rebecca had been trying to call the professor, call ahead, you know, talk to your friend or whatever. Um, Show up un he, unannounced, bring a pie, you know, <laughs> just basic human civility. Uh, but um, he uh, he wasn't answering it as uh, residence. Uh, she tried a couple of times, but it didn't work. So yeah, we'll go. We'll go see what's up. And that's when we cut away to the planet is already dead. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, when we do arrive on the planet, it it seems um fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Shiki uh, wanted to drive the ship and uh, Rebecca's like, you've never. Ooh, actually, newbie flies spaceship for the first time. This is a good video idea. <laughs> this is content. <laughs> and he promptly crashes onto Norma. <laughs> Rebecca is castigating him for it until he says, did you get a good video? You bet I did. Yep. <laughs> and, and it is all forgiven. Uh, we also learned that Norma has um, some pretty intense rain. Yeah, it's got it's got really high Earth ether. Yeah, Norma's where we get to introduce to the concept that each planet basically has a concentration of one type of ether or another, and that manifests in different ways. We get explained the next time we go back to uh, Blue Garden that they are high in water ether. That's why they have a like flowing water. The river and the sky. Yep. But uh, Norma is something I absolutely love in fiction is when you go to a new place and everything is just on its head. Like the whole setting is completely weird and different. And like science fantasy and like really good fantasy are like the only places you see that. And like you don't see that in grounded fantasy. And it's such a weird thing because Norma, because it has such a high concentration of Earth ether, Pillars of Earth will form in the sky and fall down when they reach a certain size and slam into the ground and then will slowly erode away. So that they can go back up like a, a water cycle, but with deadly pillars of stone. Yeah, kind of stone cycle. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it. It's super cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and so it's like, know, so how do you even have a city on this planet? It's all underground, baby. You basically do get a, a transition like that of them. <laughs> it's underground, and then they're in the elevator. We do get a, a brief explanation of uh, ether. It flows through uh, everything and every and every one. And ether gear forces the flow of ether in, in a person's body to a different configuration. Mm -hmm kind of like a machine, to which Shiki goes, I'm a mechanical wizard! Rebecca's got a great line about, like, yeah, in more primitive cultures, they might call ether magic, but now we know better, which I, I just think is hilarious, because in fairy tale, the explanation for magic is you have tiny, like, little ether particles inside you, which are essentially just mini wizards that do the magic, and I'm like, what was the point of the description if the tiny things just do, and then I'm like, wait, is he just mocking midichlorians? 
<laughs> you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. So uh, they go underground to the underground city and they head to Professor Weasel. Okay, how do you pronounce this man's name? It's I think it's Weiss. I, I think White. it's supposed to be White. W-E-I-S-Z. So oh, maybe it is Wise. It, the SZ is throwing me off. That's a that's a weird. Yeah, it's the SZ is the hard part. I think if we continue to just say it in conversation as Weiss, it is accurate. Yeah, it is adequately accurate. You say that, Jacob, but there's one listener at home who's just steaming <laughs> in rage. Like they're mispronouncing his name. And uh, that... you, can, you can tell us about how badly we're mispronouncing character names uh, by uh, leaving a review on our podcast or by commenting on our YouTube uh, video. Or yelling at me personally on Twitter. At OverMangaCast. <laughs> <laughs> we we got to keep up that B-Cuber lifestyle, guys. Yes. So they, they arrive at the professor's uh, workshop and nobody's here. He still hasn't even read their message. Happy and Rebecca are wandering around calling out for the professor. And so Shiki immediately starts poking around with stuff and finds x-ray goggles. Well, it's it's worse than that. Like, uh, there's no Wi-Fi on this planet. Yeah, there's not even so they can't even stream. How are they supposed to keep up that content? Yeah, which uh, which they note is weird because the um, this place usually has such great signal. We're really skimming over the fact Shiki has uh, x-ray goggles on, which uh, this joke has some legs like it. <laughs> <laughs> it lasts a lot longer than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, he puts them on. Uh, he looks at Happy and sees through the through the like fuzzy exterior to the robot inside. And he's like, that's hmm. a hologram, right? I'm, I'm not happy. sure. No, because uh, at one point, uh, Shiki like touches Happy and says, ooh, so soft. Oh, I guess. I, hmm. I, I don't know. They've got magic holograms. It's probably one so uh, potent it. It works on touch, too. It's tiny wizards in your blood that are what casts <laughs> the magic. So what? You know, with this, Shiki immediately puts the goggles back on to look at Rebecca. <laughs> As you do. And yes, she is buck naked. Uh, she doesn't obviously doesn't recognize the goggles because she turns around like, hey, don't mess with the professor's stuff. Give me those. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky's like, no, I'm going to continue wearing them for the majority of this arc as a bit. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, a mysterious man with a briefcase and a gun shows up, telling them not to move, uh, wondering what they're doing in his house. And it's like, uh, we're just looking for Professor Wise, Professor Wise Steiner. And, he, and this guy is like, I'm Wise Steiner. I don't know who this professor is. Who are you? His name is my name, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, fortunately, the uh, goggles actually come in handy uh, when well, actually, uh, she... before we get to that, we have a very strange way to end this chapter because there's this standoff happening. Everyone's a little confused. And then 20,000 years later. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember where this jump happened. So thank you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. But. Many, many millennia hence, two robots wandering around a destroyed planet. They find two human bodies, a man and a woman, pray to mother to guide their souls to take them to the blue paradise. And amongst the corpses, they find the same little uh, cube heart medallion that Rebecca and Happy wear. And etched on its side is Eden's Zero. To be continued. <laughs>
which is so weird. <laughs> At which point I went, what the fuck? <laughs> and then our uh, second of the uh, pretty lady, omniscient narrator woman person that doesn't get explained uh, pops yeah. in and says, yeah, time doesn't mean anything in this story. Don't pay attention to that. Yeah, Zhao Mei and her very form-fitting, uh, expertly cut dress. <laughs> She's like standing in the co- uh, in the starry sky, like uh, like it's rippling water under her feet. And she says, oh, yeah, you'll know more about me someday. Just think of me as the narrator of this story. We jumped ahead about 20,000 years, but don't read too much into that, because in this story, time doesn't hold much meaning. Which uh, I'm, I'm glad to have, because this manga... First major arc, they decided, hey, let's do time travel. You want to do time travel? Time travel. (laughs) (laughs) Guess Uh, what this arc is, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, why does the professor look so young and doesn't recognize Rebecca and Happy, people he presumably is very familiar with? Yep. We've gone 50 years in the past. Is it because uh, Shiki was that bad of a driver? Okay, legit though. I'm curious to hear what you guys thought was uh, the source of this time slip. But uh, the thing that I thought uh, it was is um, time and space are interlinked and gravity warps space. So I thought that Shiki driving the spaceship and driving so badly with his gravity powers somehow caused a black hole time slip. I mean, honestly, that, that in, in many ways, that makes more sense than the explanation that we will get. But <laughs> which is a space monster did it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Perfectly willing to accept that, considering like the second chapter introduces that space dragons are a thing to fear in this universe. I'm not saying that I'm against this, the time-eating space monster. I'm just saying that a black hole makes more sense. I was willing to just have them tell me whatever the explanation was. I assumed something had happened on their trip over, but, like, I, I was always assuming, like, there is magic shenanigans going on here because I, I was firmly in the camp of this is a science fantasy story, mm. which is distinct from science fiction in that they don't have to explain it. Yeah. Like, Star Wars does not explain to you how the Force works because it's a science fantasy story. It doesn't care. Uh Uh-huh. The thing for me that I was uh, noticing when I read this part, my immediate thought was, the planet was supposed to be dead and destroyed. Did someone time rewind them going there so that they had one more chance to interact with the professor? Like, I I thought that this was like something to do with like a greater power is helping them along their journey. And then we're going to get another really sad thing where they find out that the professor was dead all along or something, which very much not what happened, but (laughs) I'm on board with what does. Uh, We do have a great moment where uh, Shiki steps forward like, hey, before we continue this standoff, there's somebody upstairs because he's still wearing the X-ray goggles Mm -hmm. and saw somebody. I love the little bit where Professor's like, hey, wait a minute, you're wearing those goggles? And he's blushing like he was looking right at me in them. (laughs) (laughs) Because he knows what they are. There's also the reaction of, do not tell the girl in the room that's something I've built. Yeah, (laughs) he has shifty eyes towards Rebecca. (laughs) because <laughs> uh what what we find about weiss is uh he's very much he cares a lot about his appearance and he cares very much of the certain portrayal of himself like he is your suave debonair like criminal thief who gets what he wants 
Mm-hmm. Like he's he is Han Solo. Yeah. There is no not being Han Solo about the author in the author's notes at the end of this says essentially I wanted him to be like some kind of scum and the amount of times this manga uses scum and villainy, which I acknowledge might just be a, which might just be a translator thing might not necessarily Mm -hmm. be original interpretation, but it it uses a hive of scum and villainy at least three times. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Weiss is as close as you can get to manga Han Solo as you, uh, as you're going to get outside Mm -hmm. of the star Wars manga, which we might read. You know, I mean, what I'm I saying we're going to read it at some point. I'm promising yes. you that right now. <laughs> Next, May the 4th. <laughs> Ooh, actually, not a bad like idea. idea. But, but anyway, uh, back to this science fantasy series, because uh, someone's coming through the roof. Yeah, with many bullets. Thankfully, we have Gravity Boy here to uh, catch this guy. As the, uh, prof- as the professor is running away, this guy that Shiki captured, he's like, so you're working with Wise, huh? Then give him a message. When somebody betrays the mighty Sibir, that person will pay. And Shiki's just laughing at him. It's like, what do you think so funny about this? You're threatening me while you're naked. <laughs> <laughs> Shiki doesn't realize what the goggles do, I guess. Uh, Shiki, Shiki's dumb in a sheltered way, which I appreciate. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. And Rebecca is more like, who's this Sibir person? Uh, we get a uh, picture of the professor uh, as Rebecca remembers him. And indeed, it is the same guy, just far older, with a lot of uh, cool grandpa energy radiating, uh, radiating off of him. Um, and, you know, it's sort of funny because over the course of this, we're going to see how much of a Han Solo uh, Wise is. But, like, I really like the fact that even though what happens at the end of this means that we're not going to see this arc in particular, but I can totally see why and how um, the the character we're meeting here becomes the kind old grandpa who saved Happy. Most of the interactions between uh, Wise and Rebecca at this point are, how are you the same person? <laughs> You're awful! Yeah, we get a bit... Uh, of a flashback with Rebecca and Happy having a sharing a fun moment with the professor who's like and they're like we're going to uh, Blue Garden you should come with us and he's like nah too many people there and this planet's dying it's uh, too fragile for young folk like you you go on without me there's also a bit where um, the professor tells them uh, remember uh, don't ever steal anything ever because God is always watching <laughs> which is which the flashback happens immediately before Weiss goes hey I'm gonna commit a bunch of crimes for short term personal gain <laughs> I I, I love Weiss. Weiss is so <laughs> he's like, so, he's so he, good. You, you don't get to see this a lot in manga of someone who's just dedicated to being a scumbag. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to commit crime. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever is best for me. Yeah, and I don't and care. He He's often like, I'm leaving you goody two shoes kids behind. I'm off to go be a crime man all by myself. But it's almost like he's caught in the orbit of Shiki and can never get away. <laughs> he's uh, crossed the friend uh, horizon. The friend, the friend horizon, yeah. But we have another great moment with Rebecca uh, as she realizes that they're 50 years in the past um, where she has a brief moment of complete panic, like, oh no, what's going on? We need to get back to our time. Okay, calm down. Don't mess up the time stream. 
but I'm going to start recording. This is great content. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I do love that kind of character who they're human. They have a moment of panic and fear because they're in a weird and crazy situation. But then they're like, okay, time for fear later. Deal with situation now. I, that's a hundred percent Rebecca. Rebecca in every situation she is, is like, I am terrified, but also there is something I need to do right now. That trauma can be dealt with later. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's even, one of my favorite character types in action uh, stories. Well, actually, even more than that, it's not even um, like one of the things that, again, that, that connects uh, Shiki and Rebecca, the wanderlust they both have. Like, mm-hmm. this is an extraordinary situation. What an experience. This could break the space-time continuum and doom the universe. But man, I'm going to enjoy my time in this because this is really cool. Like, and that's exactly Shiki's everything. <laughs> but anyway, a Gundam shows up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a big freaking robot. I like how all of those civilians are like, ah, crap, the gang leader showed up in his giant robot again. We need to go. (laughs) He's downtown again. Come on. So this is where we meet the mighty Sibir, who is this big, tough gang leader man with his bird friend who doesn't like him swearing. (laughs) like Or something. I don't know. I don't no, no, know no. about I, that bird. No, the bird doesn't like him swearing. Anytime he says something that could vaguely be considered a bad word, the bird goes, Pio, Pio. And he's like, I, it wasn't that bad a word, okay? <laughs> but like the bird is also totally evil and performs active villainy at several points. <laughs> so it's like, it's a complete asshole, but at least it's in F- uh, FCC regulations. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't even know. Super. <laughs> Sibir is definitely a character that is, um, hey, we need someone to be super evil because we're trying to recruit a criminal to the team right now. So we need super evil. Like, could you have some scenes where he's like torturing a robot or something? Cool. Uh, Torturing a tiny child robot. Oh, God, we're going to. Yeah. So you know how uh, I said there were emotional gut punch moments all throughout the thing and it's really, really good. <laughs> you know, we get um, we get a cool action escape sequence where uh, Shiki and Rebecca and Happy get away from the big man and the big robot and a sufficient amount of chaos in in all of this. But they manage to escape and re meet up with uh, future Professor Wise in, in a bunny bar, a literal bunny girl. Well, we it's the same bunny girl we meet on uh-huh. the planet. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, a literal like a, a picture of Viera from Final Fantasy 14 and then put her in a Playboy bunny outfit. Congratulations, oh, you did it's, it. It's great because it's got my favorite explanation uh, for aliens in this setting. Uh, because essentially Shiki's just like, wait, that's an alien? That's so cool. And then Rebecca and Happy have to basically go, yeah, but like the galactic community is all really homogenized at this point. So if they live around like the humans and like the center thing, they basically act like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's also a little aside of like, technically, Shiki, you're an alien relative to us, but. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but uh, they meet up with wise and the briefcase gets opened and it's uh revealed that there is in fact tiny robot in there yeah um wise thought that that was full of money um it's actually full of a tiny robot (laughs) yeah because he he was once a part of sibir's gang 
And uh, Sibir had this briefcase that he said was made them all rich or something to that effect. So that's why he thought it was full of money. Shiki manages to snatch it because he he <laughs> uh, reclassed into the thief job. <laughs> yeah, this is the part where uh, Shiki has reclassed into a thief. Uh, for yeah. for the for the rest of this arc, he literally just decides out of nowhere that his morality switches. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because uh, he's like stealing from people is bad. Actually, we had a thief back at the. Oh, that's what in, that's what I'm saying. Stealing yeah, from people Brenda. isn't bad if you're a thief. So I'm going to become a thief. So my <laughs> thefts aren't bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um. So he, he takes the briefcase and is using his gravity powers to sit on the ceiling until he suddenly falls. Because the inside the briefcase is a tiny robot who has EMP powers. <laughs> and one of her legs is replaced by a screw. I'm sure that won't be traumatic. And her name is EMPino. <laughs> because um, everyone is named very on the nose in this. Hence where my concerns for uh, Labby came from. But yeah. We'll move on from that. Uh, yeah. Also, it's also her nickname is Libby, Matt. <laughs> You're right. I did say the wrong thing. Well, <laughs> Which just really hammers home how. Um, Which is weird, because how do you get the nickname Libby from how her name is? We're, we're, we're moving on. We're from moving this. on. We're moving on. Uh, this, this brings up an interesting question about ether gear, because um, an as, EMP stops one. An EMP uh, turns off Shiki's powers. Because it is a cybernetic implant. Mm. Well, but no, we see him physically training with uh, the Demon King. To use it. To use it. Yeah. But we, there's no indication that he ever went through any kind of surgery. He, but it's, he, it's, it's a mechanical thing. It's, it's said that. Huh. Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure a, we'll learn more at another point. <laughs> it, it gets explained when they're talking about ether. Like it, uh, uh, ether yeah, drop, uh, ether gear is something that mechanically converts the ether in the atmosphere so that people can use it. Because otherwise, yeah. you can't just use all the ether floating around in the air. Like you have to have like a gun that converts that ether into a bullet. And like the thing that makes ether gear so important is they're able to convert the like natural ether in the air into the specific ether that the gear uses. So he. And also their own ether as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Individual human beings also have their own ether. Like, the, I think the ether guns pull ether from the air, which is they can hit pretty hard, but aren't ultra powerful. Whereas ether gear uses your own internal ether and uh, and also the air. And also all, the it, air. That's why they're so powerful. Ether gear are so powerful because they're like that. It's bioorganic. So, um, like it. Oh, hold on. What? The, biomechanical. The biomechanical bioorganic would just be it's biological and also alive like oh i yeah, yeah. I it, it gets shorted out by emp so it's yeah. some degree of mechanical but yeah but it's like it's integrated into biology into their mm -hmm. bodies so also something we feel to mention is that every time someone sees uh ether gear in effect they're like but that's from the dark ages yeah, that hasn't been explained yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's up with that, but um, a lot of people have ether gear for that to be the reaction. Well, no, that's we're following the main characters. <laughs> yeah, we are following the main characters. But yeah, I love Shiki's response to Pino because he's like, first a giant robot, now a tiny robot. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be my friend? Yeah, uh, of course, uh, Shiki immediately 
<laughs> you are something that exists. Do you want <laughs> to be my friend? Well, let me consider the definition of friend. I don't think I'd technically meet all the requirements, but sure, why not? Yeah! <laughs> I acquired a friend! <laughs> He's so happy. He's so happy about it. We learn Pino's incredibly traumatic past. She doesn't remember who her former master was. All she knows is that Sibir is her current master, and if she doesn't obey what he says, she's in big trouble. I mean, specifically because... the One of the punishments he had inflicted upon her... Was uh, he ordered her to erase all the memories of your former master, and she's like, but no, those memories bring me such joy. Why do you think I'm telling you to forget him? Oh, and when she refuses to do it, he breaks off one of her legs and has one of his, so she can't run, and has one of his minions go forcibly do uh, perform the wipe. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, um, <laughs> that is all kinds of crime, all kinds of atrocity. This man needs to die. <laughs> Painfully, hopefully. About that super evil that we need to justify putting a criminal on the team. Yeah. <laughs> Thusly established. Yeah, because meanwhile, every time Simber's up, Weiss is also like, man, this guy's bad. He almost makes me look like a good guy. Also, <laughs> crimes. <Yeah. laughs> no, uh, the moment I love is that Shiki immediately storms off to go uh, kick Simber's ass. And Rebecca's like, wait a minute, hold on. And he's like, don't try to stop me. I'm not going to try to stop you. I'm trying to help you to make this more efficient. <laughs> Let's get a car at least. <laughs> that's, that's a really, really great moment from Rebecca. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, she's like, oh, hell no. I want to kick his ass too. Let's just be smart about it. So uh, the fight against the Sibir gang gets into effect. Uh, Pino has beaten them all back there because she ran off. Uh, oh, yeah. One of her legs was taken and replaced by a screw. Because just evil. evil. <laughs> Sibir is getting ready to punish her some more because you ran away from me. I was stolen. Doesn't matter. Why was I in the briefcase? Shut up. We're not going in there. <laughs> that's, that's never really adequately explained. No, it, it isn't. But uh, to be fair, I don't feel like Sibir is all that smart, but fair. Wise shows up and is like, I stole this. It's mine. <laughs> Takes her back and starts to run. Thankfully, just in time for Shiki and Rebecca to show up and cause chaos. <laughs> and I wish I could just claim ownership by shouting, I stole this. It's mine now. And then done. <laughs> That's how things work. We have a, a trio of action scenes going on at once. Uh, Shiki gets blasted into a lower level of the uh, facility so he's uh, he's out of the. It seems like moment. he's crushed by a giant metal thing. Yeah, Rebecca's quite worried for him. Wise stole their car and is driving away. Oh, uh, and Wise also unintentionally stole Happy. <laughs> they didn't have a car. They had a motorcycle, and uh, Wise sat on Happy, who was still happened to be on the seat at the time, and drove away without realizing it. So now Rebecca's here all alone with the Foot Brothers. Yeah, those guys. These, these guys are are real into legs because they are kicking fiends. And Rebecca doesn't have her guns. <laughs> yeah, but she does have dem legs. Yeah, they just start simping for her legs because uh, you look like you work out. Oh, such good legs. I mean, legs. She, such nice thighs. Only Dude. one of them has a German accent, too. It's so yeah, weird. One of the other very specifically doesn't. Uh, to be fair, she does have great legs, and uh, she does also find a gun to shoot them with, which yes, she proceeds yeah. to do so. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, that was not an ether bullet gun, so those guys are dead. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she shoots at them and they block the bullets with their legs. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. I forgot how good that kicking they are. I don't, I don't know. These uh, fight scenes blended together for me. In time enough for Shiki, who was actually dropped into a scrap heap full of other bots. One oh, of right. whom, one of whom was the same model as Michael and gave him a little flashback. He's like, I'll fix you. Wait, I don't actually know how to fix them. Right. And and he tries and it confirms confirms for him that uh, they weren't lying about that part. It really was the auto repair system. We have a real somber moment as all of the robots uh, are like busted up and broken. And they're like, yeah, no, Sibber uh, tortured us for fun and then dropped us in here when we were too broken to provide any more enjoyment for him. Thanks for proving that not all humans are like him. We're going to die now. This this manga really loves having people die on screen. It happens a lot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, this sends Shiki into a battle rage, so he breaks out of the scrap heap, annihilates both of the Foot Brothers in a single attack, and then is like, all right, I, I escaped. Bye, Rebecca. I'm going to go kill this guy now. This is honestly the part where you start to get more of the... Uh, shown in action set piece sort of fights check it out for yourself it's there a lot of fighting happens in this after the the bad guy is thusly defeated and all that i believe this is the moment where this happens one of the important parts that's at the very least set up here is like the idea of whether or not pino has a heart because uh pino is a very um you know logical robot She's like, a very robot robot, yeah. Yeah. When she's confused about why, like, they're trying so hard to protect her. Robots have ether in them, too. So it's like, is that the reason why robots count as full people, people, too? What a great tearjerker moment. Pino can uh, feel sad about things and cry and can get worried and can be happy. So, of course, you're, you know, you're not just a machine. You're a person, too. Yeah, this is also where we learn why uh, Norma is 50 years in the past, because a giant space monster ate its time. The chronophage. Yes. This comes up a lot for some reason. <laughs> it looks really cool. It's it really cool. cool. I'm not against the chronophage showing up a lot. It's just weird that it does. <laughs> You know, we have a great moment where they defeated Sibir and it's like, OK, uh, peace has been restored to the city. Oh, right. We're not citizens and we were involved in a lot of chaos that caused a lot of property damage. The cops are after us now. Let's go. So uh, our heroes try to flee the planet, but some strange field is holding them back. They can't get out. But uh, Wise is on their ship. You know, the um, case that she was in had her repair and maintenance logs. They know that she's from their time as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's also from 50 years in the future. Wise is like, give me your ship and I'll get and I'll let you escape. And Rebecca's like, no. And she's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your ship. <laughs> but uh, Wise uses, reveals that he too has ether gear. Announces to the crew is like, hey, did you know I did the Kessel Run in under five parsecs? <laughs> <laughs> okay, he literally downloads more RAM for the spaceship. <laughs> oh, yeah, Weiss's power is dumb. <laughs> I was defending the hell out of Shiki's gravity gear. Yeah, nah, this one's dumb. <laughs> Weiss, Weiss has his own ether gear, which uh, allows him to have like full machine like he knows on like a blueprint level, any machine 
and can upgrade it and rearrange the parts and do whatever he wants with any machine he's touching. So he upgrades. He upgrades the OS, customizes the reactor, increases the propulsive output, upgrades the OS again. Yeah, when I saw upgrades the OS a second time, I'm like, cool, you putting patch notes in this? Like, what does that mean when you do it twice? (laughs) Increasing main processor memory, stabilizing the frame, removing UI, adding touchability, like... (laughs) All systems green. And apparently... This makes it powerful enough to escape the time field and return to the future. At which point they get called by uh, current timeline Professor Wise and uh, he explains to them, yeah, you should watch the news more. Uh, A chronophage ate my planet and I left before that happened. Because I wanted to become an adventurer. Also, I took the bunny girl with me. My life's pretty cool. Also, I'm going to spend about two pages explaining how the wife who's traveling with you is no longer me. And also, is it a time thing? And also, time travel doesn't really matter that much. Don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry about time paradoxes. Also, I love how um, (laughs) the bunny girl has not aged a day. (laughs) She looks exactly the same 50 years later, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but she's like l- reclining against the professor. Like Lizzie's real charm comes with age. Comes with age. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> totally anyway. shameless to its benefit. Yeah. Anyway, before this arc can end, the next one begins as they're attacked by pirates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very abrupt. They get captured by Elsie uh, Crimson. Space pirate. <laughs> yeah, taken taken into her uh, ship, the Skull Fairy. Whoever your pilot and mechanic is must be very impressive to escape that time field, but also kind of an idiot to get captured by us so easy. <laughs> I'm going to gloat at you for a bit. Shiki's just like, wait, can I fight you 1v1? Wow, no one's ever just said that before. Hey, yeah, come on up, two floors. <laughs> no one's ever said I'll fight you 1v1, so sure. <laughs> uh, the space pirates have become uh, weird parasitic uh tentacle things t- tentacle yep. things they do tentacle things to rebecca yeah we we've we've been over the etchy bit enough uh this happens so we'll move on the thing they- i like is rebecca gets herself out of the etchy nonsense which again is uh-huh. the right way of doing it but then when uh wise had previously not helped her <laughs> she she's like let's expose a little skin we get some Weiss tentacle nonsense, and I'm like, good, equal opportunity smut. That's it's, what this is about. I really loved that moment. <laughs> Look, I'm not arguing with either of them, okay? <laughs> anyway, uh, Shiki makes his way to Elsie, to uh, Elise, Elise, uh, and uh, is going to do that? 1v1 fights. I'm pretty sure it's Elsie, like... Oh, is it Elsie? I think it's, yeah, I think it's Elsie. That would yeah. make sense, actually. Because it's like E... Well, L I. Well, no, it's. Hold on. If you'd say it in Japanese, it'd be Elu. 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 Or Elulisa. Elisa? They have the same, like, Edu would be the same for both of them if you're saying it the Japanese way. So I, I think their names are even more similar in Japanese. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Putting Western names into Japanese is hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I well, mean, no, we just where's Jay? Era. Jay would be great at this. <laughs> yeah. Why is she not here for this one? I mean, but, we um, could just call her Erza. No, oh I'll, I'll call her by the name the thing gave her. 
Yep. Indeed, Shiki does uh, rush the boss fight. I gotta tell you, I'm so glad the uh, twist that we get of this because I really like Elsie. I really like the energy of the character and especially the way that she plays off Shiki. So then you get to the final boss fight and she's like a skull-faced tentacle monster mm -hmm. and I'm like... Are they just going to have her be a monster of the week killer off and then we'll never see her again? Because I don't want that. Yeah, but Shiki defeats her using his grandfather's ultimate move, the Gravity Comet, <laughs> at which point a communications panel opens and it's Elsie going, Fools, your space pirate was on another ship. <laughs> she literally says that, by the way. Um, this was all an elaborate ruse to give you this spaceship as a gift, Shiki, because you are the grandson of the Demon King to whom I owed a great debt. But now that debt has been paid, Shiki, so I will do you no more favors in the future. By the way, that one ship, I have like literally hundreds more. They're all here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I will proceed to not do you any more favors by holding off the Navy for you so you can escape. <laughs> I literally, I just fight with the Navy whenever. I'm doing this for my reasons, not yours. <laughs> I have a strange, slightly sexual relationship with the Navy police commander. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to flirt fight while you escape. We've got a real Lupin Zenigata thing going on here. A lot of unresolved sexual tension. That's right. I'm a fan of that ship, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um... The only the only real thing of substance here other than them actually getting this ship is we do get a um, uh, a flashback to Shiki learning to use uh, his ether gear, uh, the gravity powers. And this actually ends up being a bit of a through line uh, through the rest of what we read that um, Shiki was never actually able to uh, beat the Demon King. Um, he wanted to grow strong enough to surpass him. But the Demon King passed away before he had the opportunity to. In learning the Demon King's, uh, all of the Demon King's techniques with the ether gear that he had inherited from him, he learns that the Demon King had wanted to meet Mother as well. But failed to do so. He can't beat the Demon King in a fight, you know, their honorable challenge duel like he wanted to. But he can uh, achieve his surpassing his uh, uh, grandfather and doing right by his memory by set uh by completing the adventure that he never could like all times someone tries to achieve something uh they have to give up halfway through because they have a kid <laughs> <laughs> because it's revealed that shiki was found in the the depths of space was the reason why the demon king because he wanted to raise him uh, as we also find out uh the ship that um Elise uh, gifted Shiki is revealed to have been the Demon King's personal vessel that he took to find Mother. Uh, they start cleaning up the ship from the weird tentacle parasite things. They'd they'd dealt with all of the ones that were walking around, but like they had made a nest, so they had to clean that up. And um, over the course of it, while they were talking, uh, they awaken the uh, caretaker of, of the ship. Or I am which I am one of the uh, four shining stars that power this ship. We will need my three sisters so that we can break through the outer barrier. Otherwise, this ship will surely fail. But also, I can clean it instantly. And then snaps and then all the parasites vanish. And also, I can only assume... Based on the fact we meet her and one of her siblings later, uh, all of the shining stars are incredibly attractive, like older women. Because you got to hit that demographic. 
I mean, fair. If I'm going to build a robot woman <laughs> to power my <laughs> ship, I guess. Like, look, we, we, we've got we've got Rebecca for the younger side. We've got uh, Witch and some of the other ones for that. Like, you gotta you gotta balance it. It, it appeals to all crowds. Like, yeah. she also um, redecorates the ship somehow with space magic. Um, to yeah. take it from its pirate aesthetic to the uh, original dragon aesthetic of the of the uh, Demon King. I gotta love how evil the ship looks. Like for <laughs> for a shonen protagonist ship, this does look like the signature vessel of the Demon King. Because like, oh yeah, it's a giant space dragon monster thing. They even comment on that, but I also think that it just looks like generally cool as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Jacob, if I had a giant space battleship, you know what I'd have on it? Hmm. A large open air bath that faces <laughs> the open that sky. That faces space. <laughs> okay. Legit, though, that is some drip. No, it is. It that is. is <laughs> that is one of the coolest things. Let's use it for a naked scene with Rebecca. <laughs> oh, it's great, too, because the water is like with like scented with like herbs and things and everything and also gives you ether powers. Apparently. Uh, it's apparently very relaxing for both humans and bots because Happy is also enjoying the bath. Rebecca accidentally uh, shoots a hole through the, yeah, she the ceiling. She accidentally blasts a laser through the ceiling and almost gets sucked out into space. But fortunately, it the sh- like self seals just in time. Yeah, this motivates Rebecca to um, think about, hey, Maybe I should learn how to use ether so I'm not constantly um, having my guns taken away from me and not able to do anything in a fight. Yeah, I could just, you know, bow, bow, finger bang. For Rebecca, we can only do the um, strong in the face of adversity, but doesn't beat the bad guy shtick for so long before uh, that's going to wear thin. (laughs) I'm sorry, Sam, did you want to go into the very personal massage Rebecca has with which? Is that why you brought her up? No. No, that is not why I brought her up. It's definitely a scene that happens that I think if you want to experience, you can read it. It's yeah, if if you want, you can do that. That's um, that is a moment that happens. Anyway, next arc. <laughs> next arc. We also at some point learned that uh, which can hear you uh, whatever you say anywhere on the ship. Yep, she's always listening at all <laughs> times. It's incredibly creepy. Everyone says so. So she says, well, it's going to it's going to lower the blue book value, but I'll turn that off. Uh, I love it. I enjoyed that far more than I should. They return to Blue Garden for their next mission because now they have to find the other three shining stars. Yeah, it's hilarious because they do not pick up a quest from the guild. So why did they get guild cards? But, you know, let's keep moving on. (laughs) Don't pay attention to that. We need them there for the next set piece. Well, because Rebecca gets called in to talk to the guild. Uh, The guild master? Yeah. Yeah, the guild master. No one meets the guild master. No one's even seen his face. Whoa. Which is kind of funny because the guild master from Fairy Tale actually looks like uh, Professor Weiss. (laughs) Except, well, the face, anyway. I'm not going to lie. The way that this story played out, I was like 75% sure that uh, the Guildmaster was going to be another one of the B-Cubers, but... (laughs) As Rebecca is off in this meeting, uh, she... Well, she doesn't even get to the meeting, is the thing. (laughs) 
Well, well, she wanders away from the party to go to the meeting. And while that's happening, Shiki and uh, Pino decide to wander around Blue Garden, where, uh, as all good heroes in JRPGs do, they stumble across a scene of active danger and villainy happening. <laughs> because uh, Libby is being attacked by an Naruto character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh we get the full thing you get in every manga that doesn't take place in a japanese setting where if there's a ninja you have to have a character in a side panel going wow ninjas are cool shiki does that for more than just ninjas and honestly i agree with a lot of the things he says are cool so just saying that that character reaction is very common <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong libby and her bodyguards are wandering down an alley and all of a sudden, this Naruto-ass-looking motherfucker shows up and is like, you're coming with me. Good or evil don't matter. I just get my job done. I what? <laughs> I'm a soldier for sister. And uh, he beats up all the bodyguards and is going to kidnap Libby, who's screaming for help. So, of course, who should arrive but our good hero, Shiki? <laughs> and she's like, oh, Gravity Boy, you came to save me. I don't care about you. <laughs> I only came because I heard someone calling for help. I didn't even really remember it, but he has a little speech about how uh, about helping people. And uh, this is the point where you have to have all of the female characters want to. I'm in love with him now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even my favorite instance of this. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I liked that personally. Like, I'm sorry. This is my trash. I like this. But yeah, uh, Shiki and Jin, we learn his name is, get involved in uh, a real Android 18 versus Vegeta moment where the fight <laughs> goes out onto a highway. Except unlike in Dragon Ball, uh, no civilian casualties happen because Shiki is a good boy that saves all the people. Well, because it wasn't uh, a fight between two villains. <laughs> That's sort of a funny moment where um, the the ninja guy, uh, what was his name? Jin. Uh, Jin. Ends. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Jin actually looks at Cheeky and is like, why did you stop fighting? We were doing a thing. Because I thought we were just fighting for fun. Like, <laughs> this is cool, right? <laughs> That's a really good moment. I like that. Jin receives a call saying to retreat, even though he didn't get his quarry. He's like, all right, I have to go now. But if you ever want to settle this, find me on gil uh, Gilst. Definitely not. It's guilt. Uh, is Aliga a planet or is? No, no. Aliga is the oh. he's the frog guy. Oh, okay. and yeah. they introduce something as Aliga's comp. OK, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. The crime lord. Aliga. <laughs> Illegal. Yeah. Illegal. The crime boss. Yeah, they're not. They're not subtle with <laughs> names. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> No, I just found this one particularly funny. It's, it's pretty great. We should really just call him Jabba the Hutt because he's a he is a big bloated creature that uh, does lewd things to female characters. That's the thing. He doesn't actually do lewd things. He turns them into furniture. He he strips them naked. But like, I, I, I don't think there's a sexual motivation there is the thing. I think he legitimately wants... I think it's a power thing more than anything. Oh, it's absolutely like, a power thing. Yeah. Like, like he doesn't like the, the stripping naked is because he doesn't want the like fabric becoming bad furniture. Like it's I don't know. We're getting off topic, though. Uh, so he's kidnapping B-cubers. <laughs> 30 B-cubers. Except uh, Shiki stopped one of them. 
Yeah, he hired the mercenary crew rogue out. As if we needed more Star Wars references here. Again, not yeah. complaining. I just can't help but notice. This honestly is probably my favorite arc just for the amount of awesome moments Rebecca has. Awesome moments for both Rebecca and Shiki. Because this is both of them at their best, and we've not really seen them be anything better than great so far. Rebecca does my favorite thing that kidnapped characters do, and that is be a massive, annoying thorn in the side of the kidnappers. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it's not particularly effective at getting yourself free, and she is, she does, in fact, get actually get away. Yeah, she is still just such an incredible bother and annoyance and a problem for the kidnappers. And it shows a level of agency that most damsels in distress never get. And I love it. Most of the other B-cubers don't get like. Yes, because they they act as you expect. Yeah. They've all given up and fallen into despair. Even the B-Cuber who got, has like 1.2 million subscribers uh, for her Daring Thrills channel is like, what? I scripted all of that. I've never actually been in danger my whole life. Yeah, I, li I like how her um, her channel name is essentially the Suicidal Charge channel. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Though, to be fair, this is a bunch of... There are a bunch of vloggers who got kidnapped. Like, you know, it is totally understandable that they freak out. And honestly, when uh, Rebecca rallies them, they all, you know, show their... They can't, they respond to it, yeah. Yeah, they show their uh, their strength and, and gusto as well. So we have another moment of cutting between uh, groups of characters because we have Rebecca and the other captured B-tubers. And then we have uh, the rest of the crew in hot pursuit. Shiki is pissed, stomping mad. Before they leave, though, there is an addition to the crew out of basically nowhere. I couldn't yes. remember when she showed up, so thank you for putting it in here. Yes. Yes, a samurai girl in a marijuana kimono. <laughs> okay, Sam, those are maple leaves, but okay. I, I, okay, I know you're right, but tell me it doesn't look like it. Those leaves do look similar, but <laughs> we're, we're cutting this. Yes, a, a, uh, I'm keeping it in. It's a good bit. <laughs> I'm the editor. <laughs> oh, oh, so we cut things that make Sam look bad now. <laughs> but I'll just keep referencing this bit. Then it will look out of place. <laughs> anyway, yes, we meet Homera here with her uh, marijuana kimono. Yes, yes. Homera. She is, I like her. I like her a lot. This is not a surprise to any of our <laughs> listeners who have heard more than two episodes, but I like her a lot. You, I was not prepared for both of you to be simping on the same girl. This is, uh, this is interesting. <laughs> Listen. She's cool. Uh, like I saw her first. She, she is the storm that is approaching. <laughs> <laughs> She's hot and very good with a sword. This Look, is everything I need. Also, Weiss is like really steals the show here because he gets into a he fight does. with her, but then also not. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. oh I love it. Weiss is the one who unintentionally recruits her because uh, Shiki it, learns of Rebecca's kidnapping from Happy, who uh, got beaten up in the process. Oh, poor Happy uh, is yeah, in poor not Happy. good shape. Yeah. So uh, Shiki's busy storming out of shooting Starlight, screaming about how he's going to get uh, Guy List and is going to save Rebecca. 
on his ship, the Eden. Oh no, it's actually it's everyone get entrance Eden Zero. Well, no, he says everyone back to the Eden Zero. <laughs> the Eden made- Zero. Yeah, and there, there's this mysterious lady who's like the Eden Zero, <laughs> which uh, Weiss nearby is like, yeah, that's the kid's ship. What do you know about it? Oh, I must go and fight the Demon King for the honor of my master. Hmm. I don't want to tell you this, but I must fight the Demon King. (laughs) Because she can't keep any thought private. She has to speak it aloud. Well, I love when it's revealed her technique. Like, that's that's one of my favorite panels of this. um, When she activates her ether gear to create her ether sword. The soul blade. The sword that will slay the Demon King. And I'm like, oh, no, that's shaky now. <laughs> it's so, oh, I love it. It even oh. vaguely looks like Soul Calibur. And so, you know, it's it. <laughs> you know, it activated all my almonds. <laughs> yeah, Homura joins the crew uh, as they all flee to Gylist. Uh We have a great moment where uh, the kidnappers uh, one of them is screaming at one of the younger girls who was kidnapped. She's crying because, of course, and he's like, shut up. I hate the noise. And he's about to, like, attack her. And Rebecca gets in the way and is, like, uh, defending this kid. The guy uses his app in order to tighten the bonds. On... Tighten the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. And Rebecca falls over screaming in pain because she's getting crushed by these ropes. And is like... <laughs> Actually, Rebecca fights against her bonds. This might make for great content. Oh, wait, this is uh, this probably won't fit my target demographic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's where that happens. I get strong cutie honey vibes from that moment. (laughs) Anyway, uh... yeah, the ship of kidnapped girls uh, arrives on uh, Gylst, where we have a very poignant moment of a whole bunch of skeletons on stakes some real dracula's castle vibes yeah the the street is lined with skeletons Mm -hmm. one one emaciated woman runs onto camera calling out for help before collapsing dead surprisingly dark for all of the wacky shenanigans that had just been happening what we get established is that um this used to be like a beautiful world prevalent in uh wood ether but um and it was a great tourist destination but then the crime happened and then <laughs> weiss was just like but crime is only good wait crime can be used for evil oh no <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty horrific because all the girls are taken to Uliga tower where they're locked up in a big room and our horrible frog monster boss Uliga. is like i'm going to turn you all into furniture now and I can't have you be dirty when I do this and hits a button to make foam appear that melts off all their clothes and accessories and leaves them all naked. And it's like, what do you mean you're going to turn us into furniture? Oh, well, allow me to demonstrate in this incredibly harrowing sequence of a girl being held at gunpoint on her hands and knees, being shot by a gun that petrifies her into stone, horrifically, uh, holding her in this agonizing pose forever to be used as a object by this monster. It's honestly gut-wrenching. It's one of the darkest things in this whole manga. Yeah, I think the fact that it's taken as seriously as it is is why 
you can sort of skirt past the etchy stuff without it being immersion breaking because like this is a serious moment there's a lot in this moment that i didn't even consider like there is nudity but it's not etchy like the context is not sexual yeah exactly and that's the reason why it that's the reason why it isn't like grating or stupid because like this isn't this isn't fun guys the context is this person has been stripped of all power and agency and this is being made manifest in the most Mm -hmm. horrific way possible again great rebecca moments because even when stripped of literally everything she keeps uh trying to escape she never for for even a second she does not consider the idea of giving up oh i love this because um she's like okay wait this foam which is like still everywhere to provide censorship uh this foam dissolved all our clothes and our metal accessories was anybody wearing a glass accessory yeah i had glasses they're gone now okay see. And, <laughs> and rebecca's like wait there's only one bit in here that isn't like plastic or stone or whatever the room they're in is made out of it's the glass viewing window which is too high up to reach but if this stuff can melt glass if we can somehow get up there we have a way out all right girls human pyramid time <laughs> becomes an etchy scene <laughs> yeah at this point it does kind of become an etchy scene because it is 29 women all <laughs> forming a giant human pyramid. As far as it being an etchy scene go, one of the girls says, we would get a lot of views if someone filmed this from behind. And then someone being like, I cannot believe you just said that. No, <laughs> we, we are in a dire situation right now. <laughs> I would die of embarrassment is what another person yep. said. And um, yeah, again, it, it's very much the case where like this is doing it right because when it was a disempowering moment that they were losing their clothes, it was taken totally seriously and it wasn't meant to titillate the audience. Now, when they're empowered again and they're they're in the process of escaping, now we can have a little bit of cheeky fun with it. It's being played a bit more for laughs, yeah. But uh, Rebecca at the top of the pyramid. She is the lightest is what's established. And remembering the B-cubers, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Well, no, she's actually not the lightest. The one who is the lightest says, I'm sorry, I'm just afraid of heights. Ah, gotcha. Okay, I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Rebecca reaches the top and with a bit of the foam manages to melt the glass. Unfortunately, at that point, the pillar collapses because it's 29 people stacked on top of each other. Yeah, the fact that they were able to do that for that long is impressive for all of them. And Rebecca is able to escape, uh, get a bit more cover for herself and is uh, pulling some real solid snake. Yeah, there's a bath towel in that room for some reason. It's a bit more cover. Well, I say I say solid snake, but really it's diehard because she's crawling through the vents. Oh, I was going to say it's Raiden because she's naked and running around. <laughs> Actually, no, you're right. You're right. Metal Gear Solid 2. Not enough cartwheels. Uh, she's pulling off a pretty great escape. Uh, unfortunately, Aliga finds her. But hey, you remember how Shiki was on his way? Yeah, uh, we haven't um, been talking about it because all of this has been intercut with Shiki on his way. And oh, my gosh. You know, like we've seen serious Shiki before. We have not seen pissed Shiki before. Wow, I love Shiki so much. Wow, he is so mad. Well, you see, the fun time switch got switched to murder time. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, this has all been intercut. It's been parallel storylines. We have been focusing on Rebecca 
and her situation. So let's rewind a little bit to the rest of the crew arriving on this wretched hive of scum and villainy. For the and they're like referenced for the yeah. third time. And they're like, OK, we need to find the gang rogue out. I wonder where they could be. Let's check this church that has rogue out written on it in big letters. <laughs> Why is this gang in a church? Oh, I see. It's led by some kind of person dressed as a nun named Sister. I recognize that name, Sister. She is in my databanks as one of the four shining stars. Also, mad hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, uh, Pino transmits the visual data up to Witch, which I, I honestly love. I adore this dynamic of Pino and Witch serving as like a way to stay in touch with the basically Every, the, coma the command center. Yeah, all the any any characters who are separated, as long as they can uh, contact each other in the field, everyone is connected. Or we should also note, because I don't think we mentioned this, we learn who uh, Pino's uh, original master was, uh, yeah. the one who made her, and that was the, uh, that was, that was uh, the, the demon, demon king. king. Cheeky granddad. Yep. But which is like, you know, that's sister's call sign, but um, she doesn't look anything like how I remember. Something, something is up. Hmm. Hmm. Big think. You know, sister is the uh, is the leader of Rogue Out. And uh, she's like, there is no good and evil. There is only the contract. You're getting in the way of the contract I have with Illiga. I'm going to kill you now. And and Shiki's basically standing there like, I honestly don't care about any of this. Do you have Rebecca? No, the goods have already been delivered. Allow me to wax poetic about the morality of mercenary. And Shiki's already gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's already left. This is great because... Uh, so, uh, sisters, like, I can't let you mess with uh, my contract. Come on, boys, come and kill them. Make sure to leave. Make sure to leave the bodies intact. I will rebuild them as my soldiers. Mm, yeah, it's really freaking. It, it's big necromancer vibes. <laughs> it's so weird how this comedy series can just get real creepy. Uh huh. <laughs> And yet it works somehow like that's like this shouldn't work as well as it does. And she's like, OK, I need to go find Rebecca, but we're surrounded. At which point Homer is like, don't worry, I'll deal with this trash. And then we get to see why Homer is best girl. He kills a lot of people. Actually, why there are a lot of reasons why Homer is best girl. Technically, they're robots, but honestly, I don't think that would have mattered either way. <laughs> I'll, uh, well, it's established that robots are people. Yeah, so... So, yeah, I mean... A lot of on-screen murder in this manga. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's weirdly which, prevalent. Which, in all fairness, Weiss also has that same reaction of like, oh, I've made a horrible mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Homura is the storm that is approaching. She goes full Virgil and murderizes a bunch of people with the sword that shall slay the demon gang. Weiss kind of has the mindset of like, oh man, I kind of was bringing her along because uh, I thought I could beat her pretty easily. Like I didn't think she was that much of a threat. Also cute girl. I think that I couldn't really tell. Was that the dynamic they were trying to put up between Weiss and her? I think so. Because yeah. like, Weiss is watching from the doorway as she's pulling all this off. And he's like, man, she's really scary. Oh, nice ass though. <laughs> it was it was a keep cute girl near me and at the very least she can be a distraction at the very worst and then she ended up being a super big threat <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile 
uh, sister has also screwed off to go talk to Aliga, who's not paying up because you only got 29 girls. Everyone knows when you only get uh, five of your six piece chicken nuggets, you um, don't pay and threaten to shoot up the McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> that is the mindset sister goes to Aliga Tower with. <laughs> we have the great standoff between Wise and Homura, which, Matt, you, you were saying you liked a lot. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Weiss is pointing. He, it's a very calm conversation that Homer is like totally about. Yeah, we're back to being friends. And then Weiss is like, hey, I'm betraying you now because this definitely got way out of hand. Mm-hmm. Pointing a gun at her and she's like, should have known this would happen. He's just like, well, first of all, Homer is like, hey, I can beat you. This is very clear at this point. And then Weiss is just like, I'm sorry. Do you think I only have one gun? Because also... We got to talk about my boy. We forgot about one of uh, sisters, Mooks. Moskoy. Um, Moskoy, who is a sumo wrestler robot, who when she gets there is told to go back to the fortress to go take out people. And he takes off into the air by sumo wrestler slapping. the. He, he just does a thing and starts flying and no one can explain how it works. One of the people even asks, wait, that shouldn't work. Okay, to describe it for our dear listeners at home, E-Honda. <laughs> Except E-Honda allows you to fly. It's yes. E-Honda in order to fly. Yes. It is spectacular. The The really nice thing about this standoff, and like um, the thing established about Homura is that um, at least ostensibly, like she'll... Um, She'll out loud say, I don't want to say this, but and then speak her mind. What she's trying to convey to Weiss is that I want to challenge the Demon King to a fight for the the challenge of the fight. I don't want to actually kill him. And again, Weiss is like, you are way too dangerous. I'm not allowing that. And the it starts off like he's like hideously outmatched because he's just got the one regular gun that he just picked off of, uh, off of one of the bad guys who had been... Uh, killed but then when um muskoy uh comes flying in we find out that maybe weiss isn't as outmatched as he initially seemed because weiss uses his bullshit magic to go i upgraded the gun to also be the floor (laughs) Uh, one million bullets technique and muskoy gets shot all his turned into Swiss cheese and drops to the ground. Like every other time Weiss uses his ether gear, it's to upgrade a gun to be either a completely different gun or a better gun. This technique, he just turned the floor into gun. Yeah, he created turrets. It's something. <laughs> I mean, presumably he was he was uh, upgrading the guns that the robots were carrying, but yeah. It's still really dumb. There is like a panel showing him doing that, but it's a panel that's easy to miss. And Homer is like, oh, maybe this uh, maybe this is a more even fight than I thought. Hey, what's that big ether reaction under the church? Don't change the subject. No, seriously, the plot's down there. Yeah, because they uh, they shoot up um, Makoya. Uh, he, he is a Moskoy. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He is a dead sumo wrestler full of bullets. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that Wise will not in any way regret this decision. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Anyway, let's go to a church basement where nothing bad ever happens. 
everything bad happens in church basements, including where we find another nun tied up to a machine. Hey, wait a minute. Is this sister? Some kind of <laughs> ether sucking machine? Oh, by the way, in case this uh, situation wasn't high stakes enough, massive ether reaction approaching the planet. It's a chronophage going on an eating spree. It'll be here in an hour. Nine planets are already dead. <laughs> yep. Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> Multiple, like, X-tier apocalypses are happening <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Cutting back to Aliga Tower, uh, Jin is here for the run back with Shiki. It's a really fun moment where Jin is like, you're a lot stronger than last time. Last time we were throwing hands. This is a fight. This is a battle for my friends. This isn't a fun punch up. I was just messing around with you last time. Jin's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh this might actually be a problem <laughs> crap i'm fighting a manga i'm fighting a manga protagonist did shiki already beat the crap out of aliga then oh yeah no shiki pummeled aliga into the ground to the point where rebecca was like okay shiki you can stop now and he's still going well, technically, technically rebecca couldn't say anything because she was paralyzed yeah well no only her legs were paralyzed because of aliga's venom I, I thought her entire body, but maybe no. She's kind of frozen in that position. She was still able to speak. I'm ninety percent certain. Yeah, she okay. did. She did try to speak to uh, Shiki, but he he's seeing red right now. He doesn't hear anything that's going on. So he's like, uh, "Hey, Pino, could you maybe calm him down for a second? And she EMPs him. <laughs> yeah, to turn off his gravity powers. Before he fights Jin, he throws um, Rebecca over to the other B-Cubers who managed to break their way out and find a room full of, let's call them Halloween costumes for our iTunes rating. Uh, <laughs> That's what the manga calls it, too. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're definitely just fun costumes. They're that don't just have, Halloween costumes. They don't have any other meaning to them. <laughs> there's like a fun firefighter. Uh, there's, there's a maid outfit. There's a... A uh, mummy with not enough bandages. There's uh... there's there's a lot of fun Halloween costumes. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the other the other thing is, uh, funnily enough, Rebecca was the one that actually rescued them all because it was Pino's um, EMP uh, that actually shut down the security system in the holding cell because uh, the the beekeeper girls say that the door just spontaneously opened and uh, Rebecca puts it together that that was when the EMP went off. Yeah. Which means her telling Pino to calm Shiki down also save the rest of the girls. And because Rebecca's worry. awesome. And don't worry, they, the girls found something Rebecca can wear instead of that um, <laughs> towel. It's a Halloween costume. She's a cat. <laughs> yep, she's once again, Rebecca finds the cat girl suit. I'm look, I, 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 I'm just going to say, dear listener at home, you can look up Halloween girl costume cat. And that's about right. <laughs> yeah, it is. As this breakout is happening, uh, Shiki is having the run back with Jin, except, oh no, the other named boss characters from Rogue Out and Sister show up. And Sister has healing powers. So uh, Jin is also back at full power to be used as a, as a human sponge, shield, which is yeah. not a good use for him. Like, uh huh. She grabs him out of the air mid technique to block some, like, to sponge up some damage for her like he could have attacked like that's not yeah yeah no for, further proof that sister is tr obviously a bad bad person all, all she cares about is not getting hurt not about yeah. anything else mm -hmm. because because she can heal people she thinks people are disposable yeah mm -hmm. and she's like those are your men 
You're, what kind of leader are you? I can heal them. No! <laughs> Pain still hurts. Um, we also get a really um, a really cool moment that once again uh, parallels uh, Rebecca and uh, Shiki. And it's like... It's one of those like dumb little moments because like Shiki is trying out new tricks with his uh, gravity ether gear that he's doing like gravity bullets, like little bits of concentrated mass, I guess, tiny black holes that he shoots out of his knuckles. He actually flashes back to Rebecca teaching him how to play a first person shooter. And it's like Mm -hmm. They both like the same games. Like, like these two were meant to be friends. And I love how I love their friendship. Yeah, I, I also love that little bit of lore building is the reason why Rebecca is so good at shooting, why she has such good accuracy is because she used to be a uh, game streamer and moved mm. up to travel blogging for views. <laughs> OK, so like this is a cool shonen fight. That's is intercut with another moment that is a really really powerful moment which establishes that uh illegal's thing is is uh a power and control sort of uh thing where um he has uh the youngest of the b cubers uh hostage mm-hmm. um because everyone was escaping but the but the youngest one coco i believe went missing at some point so rebecca goes back for him we get a robot does not understand compassion oh wait yes she does uh moment it would be more efficient for us just to leave and ditch those people i was taught crime was good (laughs) basically no robot crime is bad and also we should help everyone even the little of us even if it's inefficient because they're our friends do you need another friendship monologue i have reached the quota of friendship monologues today maybe (laughs) tomorrow To be fair, it's a good friendship monologue. It's a good scene. It's just it's There's exactly just a lot of friendship is. monologues in this. But the the real meat of the scene is um, when Rebecca goes back and um, is dealing with Eliga, talking about main characters not having scruples about killing because Eliga's talking up and down about how he has a gun to Coco's head and if if I pull the trigger, she will die. Like these are not like fantasy ether non-lethal bullets these are bullet bullets (laughs) bullets that shoot bullets yes there is a very very uncomfortable scene of um aliga doing his you know power and control dynamic is the worst yes like while he's going through this uh i have money and therefore power uh villain speech um that really the only thing it it serves is that in spite of the fact that Rebecca is uh, currently on her knees, you can still see that she has still not given up because Rebecca is awesome. Oh, like one of the, my favorite parts about Aliga is um, when he's told the chronophage is coming to kill the planet. He's just like, I don't want to leave. I've got all my cool stuff here. Tell the chronophage to go away. Like, dude, you you do not understand what your situation is. You cannot pay this thing to go away. You are going to die if you do not leave now. Well, um, he doesn't leave because uh, Rebecca used the distraction to take his gun. At the same moment that Shiki is firing off his uh, gravity bullets, 
Oh my god, this panel is so good. It's a two-page, like, top of the thing of them both doing their attacks at the same time. Oh my god. It's I so love it cool. so much. It is one of those panels that you'd, like, turn into a wallpaper. It's that beautiful. And, like, it's such a great character moment. Like, and not even necessarily in the sense of, like, character development or anything, but, like... These two, wherever their relationship goes in the future, because like I could easily see this turning romantic depending on how Eden Zero plays out. But like they were meant to be friends. Uh huh. They were made for each other in that sense. And I love that. And uh, not for nothing, but I do ship it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, villains defeated, damsel saved, except for all the ones turned into stone. Oh, wait, true sister is here being best girl. <laughs> Hold on. The Demon King sent me here to do one job. Even if the planet is destroyed, I must do it before I leave. Hold on. Let me take all off my... Yeah, take, take off all my clothes. As everyone does when we cast magic, that is an established thing. No one be weird about it. <laughs> Weiss is my favorite in this because even Shiki's like, why, why did she take her clothes off? And Weiss is like, you've never seen any videos with nuns, have you? And I'm like, don't... <laughs> <laughs> he just said it out loud. He really did. No, I I love True Sister. She is best girl. She's got massive Black Lagoon energy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, I feel compelled to go watch Black Lagoon after we're done recording this episode. <laughs> yeah, the, the fake sister goes up to the real sister and, oh, let me tell you my tragic backstory that may or may not be complete crap. You locked me in a basement for 10 years. I'm going to break you, heal you, and break you again until I get bored. That is your I, life now. Until I die was what she said. <laughs> yeah. The rest of her life will be torturing her. But uh, first she needs to heal an entire planet because that's a thing she can do. Yeah, and uh, it restores all of the girls turned into statues. They are, they are made into flesh and blood again. Just a whole bunch of naked ladies. Like, we, wait, what do we do? What's going on? Ah! You have 10 minutes to get off the planet. Oh, uh, so they do. Uh, there is a very, very epic escape because uh, the approach of the chronophage is making the ether go haywire. And so uh, I don't think we mentioned it, but this planet is a giant tree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is called Mectrazil because uh, we don't do subtlety with these names. You know, yep. it's fair. And because the ether is going haywire, the giant tree, it's like moving. It's moving. It's got sh movement and it's created this barricade. So the Eden Zero can't land. It's like, all right, time to combine all of our powers to escape. And like Homura cuts away through uh, Wise uses his bullshit to make a flamethrower. And Shiki's like, all right, I think the hole is big enough now. At which point, which is like, but I can't land the ship. And Shiki's like, what? What? No, I'm talking about big enough for us. <laughs> Grabs everybody, reverses gravity and flies onto the Eden Zero for a photo finish escape with the Chronophage. It's so fucking cool, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I got to tell you the last arc of what we read. I honestly was sold on Eden Zero by the end of chapter one, which to be fair is a long chapter, but still. But man, this last arc was just so good start to finish. I, I'm, I'm really glad we did this arc because I was actually on the fence of whether or not to include, because this uh, arc put us over where I normally like to have chapter counts be. Mm. Look at the length of this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But like, I really liked that we did this because I feel like we actually got like a full picture of what Eden Zero is by the end of this arc. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I kind of hope that the uh, other 28 uh, B-Cuber girls end up working with um, Rebecca and that that big conglomerate like destroys Libby. I hope all the other 28 B-Cuber girls got off the planet because um, <laughs> they're on they're on the ship. Are they, they're on the Eden Zero? Yeah. Oh, there's a scene of that near the, oh, uh, cool. the, end, the last yeah, chapter. Yeah. Oh, that's good. They're I, like they're not they're not focused on, but like um, the the one from the the one from the Food Channel um, is like mentioned something to Rebecca. Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So we know well, they're okay. Well, actually, we do know they're okay because the uh, chapter cover is them eating at a restaurant together after this. So yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, the, uh, the one that I'm not sure about, and I hope are at least somewhere is all the unpetrified women because we don't know where they went. We we get confirmed about 10% of the population made it off the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Which because it's still a really dark series. Uh-huh. The remaining 90% was there when the chronophage ate the place. If you weren't alive at the time the chronophage resets the planet to, you're erased. And um, you might be thinking, oh, so if it's set it back like 50 years, that'll kill a lot of the young folk, but the old folk will be okay, right? No, the chronophage ate 1,200 years. Yeah, the, the magnitude of how much time it ate was um, pretty great because uh, we get established that that amount of time the chronophage ate actually healed Gilst because um, it, it was corrupted by crime and like the tree died, but that thousand years brought it back to the peaceful nature tranquility it used to be. And now it's essentially a protected place because nobody would go there because of the time field. Unless they're an idiot who doesn't watch the news. So <laughs> I, I got, I think we skipped over it. When did my favorite scene happen with uh, Jin and sister? It's right before we have the big great escape with uh, Shiki. Um, and the gang. The yeah. Hole. yeah. Cause it, cause it's um, J- sister telling like trying to order Jin to get off the the planet right uh, yeah fake, fake sister we should point out yes i'm sorry fake sister they they don't name she's, her so yeah she's she is lying defeated and she's like Jin, help me pick me up pick me up and carry me out of here so we can escape you lied to me you said you had the power to heal my sister that's the only reason i did anything you asked and you were a fraud no, I still have some of the some of sister's true power. I can heal her, I promise. I can help you save your friend. And that, that is the line where he steps on her head and crushes it. Uh, I have no friends. no friends. She is my little sister. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no. Her head gets crushed on screen. <laughs> yeah. This manga gets really freaking dark at times. You see, because they're robots. Also, sister's a robot, I guess. Fake sister is also a robot, we find out. But she's a bot. So, like, there's no blood and brains spraying about. But but as established, robots are people, too, in this setting. Uh Uh-huh. The the scraps of metal and screws are in the same place as all that gore. And it is... It's just an eye that flies out that looks like an eye. (laughs) Like, it is brutal. Yeah, it's... I love Jin so much. 
He's a spectacular rival for uh, Shiki, and I can't wait for the inevitable like series-long character arc where uh, he eventually gets recruited in the, into the friend group. That's not sarcasm either. I really am looking forward to that. He, he awakens to justice, yes. <laughs> but um, I guess we, we, we do end on a little chapter, right? With uh, our, our, our favorite uh, Navy crew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, before the Navy crew shows up for our stinger, we have the gang uh, debriefing in the Eden Zero. We have two of the four shining stars now, and they're like, hey, we recognize that sword. That's Valkyrie's sword, isn't it? At which point Homer is like, yes, my master gave me this weapon, though I don't know where she is. I don't want, uh, you, no, that's not quite what she says. She starts with, I don't want to disclose this out loud, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's Homura and Homura is best girl. And Shiki's like, well, I don't want to fight a friend. We're friends? It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, you helped, a, you helped me save Rebecca. I, I don't actually want to like fight you to kill you. It's more a friendly competition. And she keeps like, oh, all right, that's way better. Yeah, no, we'll we'll do that as soon as we're done finding your master, okay? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's good. Also, I might be in love with you now. <laughs> I love these characters. It's great. She's doing an awful lot of stammer blushing. It's it's adorable. Oh, there there is definitely a line in there where she basically says she's in love with him. He just doesn't hear. Like Well, because yeah. she can't censor herself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's great. And then we we get our actual stinger, which is the Navy saying those fools, don't they know that thousand years they took off of Gilst unlocked an even more evil entity than anything that was on that hive of scum and villainy. Some dude I forgot the name of. <laughs> no, Matt, I will. I remember his name and allow me to re-enlighten you. His name is Draken Joe, the Draken Dark jo Alchemist. Draken Joe! <laughs> Draken Joe, the Dark Alchemist. It's such a good name. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> and is, okay, can can we also see how great his character design is on top of that? His, his design fits that amazing name. Yeah, it's 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 extra all right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that, that's the stinger. So let's get into our discussion. Uh, so start off with favorite characters. And since it's a shonen, favorite fights. Uh, I will kick off with favorite character has to be Rebecca. She is everything I love out of a just barely not qualified for this character. Mm. She smacks of the RPG character that is constantly underleveled, yet is still doing work in the dungeon. And that's my favorite kind of underdog. I mean, she almost literally is exactly that. Yeah. And she has so many great moments that subvert the classic damsel in distress. She has uh, an amazingly fun character. She's hot. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's not to love? But yeah, for favorite fight, um, I would have to say uh, just for the parallels that are presented... You all heard us gushing over the particular end panel, but it has to be uh, Shiki versus Sister and the Rogue Out Elites because it shows him innovating on his power, uh, how that innovation is born from his friends, the connections he's made. It, it's really just an encompassing moment of all of this manga's themes. Mm -hmm. And I love that in a good fight. So Matt, favorite character, favorite fight? Um, 
Rebecca's a good choice. Uh, I don't know if I'd put her as my favorite. Um, I think I would side more with uh, Shiki is pretty good, but he's also pretty standard as far as shown in protagonists go. So not sure how much credit I can give to him in particular for that. It's more like, do you enjoy a good shonen protag? If so, you'll enjoy Shiki. No, Sh Shiki's very good, but he is also shonen protagonist. So uh, I'll go with Weiss just because um, he's, uh, he's a character type you don't normally get, which is um, just full-on scumbag who does not even try to be repentant a lot of times and i really appreciate like like that like focus and then i i really gotta say one thing i will fault eden zero on is the fight scenes aren't like the individual fights aren't like solid set pieces they're just cool action scenes for me a lot of the time so picking an individual one's kind of like they all feel the same but uh if I had to go to one that was like actually really detailed for me, I would go for the um, Hamura versus Weiss standoff, yeah. which I acknowledge is also not a lot of action scenes. It's a bunch <laughs> of talking about the fight that might happen, uh, which I guess I prefer. So no, that's a yeah. still a valid choice. Absolutely. Yep. Favorite character, Drat. I literally went into this thinking, OK, I don't know which of my three options are my actual favorite character, so we'll talk about it. And sometimes that illuminates who my favorite character actually is because it's the one I focus on. I was uh, trapped between Shiki, Rebecca and Homura. And in our discussion, it went from three to four because now I love Weiss even more, too. Jacob, it's Homura. I, I heard you talking. It's Homura. I didn't want to be called out like this, but you're probably right. <laughs> I don't know. Homura is just so freaking charming in a cast of characters that is like overflowing with charm. There's something about her that the fact that she came in so late and so innocuously, it's easy to forget when it happened. She like steals the show when she's around. I guess to be different, I'll say it's Homura. Um... There's a lot of personal bias in that, maybe, but, you know, <laughs> I don't care. I love Homura. Oh, man, there's personal bias in your favorite character pick? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I was expecting an objective pick for your favorite character. Like, what the hell, Jacob? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's me. What do you want? As for the fights, um, I totally understand what Matt is saying about them not necessarily being great set pieces but the thing i enjoyed so much about the fights was actually the choreography in particular and uh that's something that i really like in dragon ball for example oh boy it's technically the same fight but it's a different part of the fight that makes me love it the Jin versus uh shiki rematch was definitely my favorite because those two going at it seriously the display of their techniques and how they use them not just to attack and defend but how they use them to move around the battlefield and around each other was just amazing to me i really enjoyed that um and of course the ending of that when sister and the other elites arrive uh the the character bits of um the parallels between shiki and uh rebecca and how um, making friends has allowed Cheeky to grow past where he was when, you know, he was unable to, you know, compete with the Demon King anymore. Top tier stuff. All right. So uh, one thing that I feel like I should note, it's not actually a discussion question, but I put it here <laughs> because I wanted to. Um, numerous people have said, uh, we've been calling him the Demon King, but he does have a name. His name is Ziggy. His last name is going to be Stardust. There, <laughs> I said it. <laughs> now, on to another actual uh, thing. Matt, you had a connected universe theory. 
Yeah. When Mother is first introduced, or I think it's maybe the second time they talk about her, they establish that um, there is a legend that when you go to meet Mother, and when you are finally, like, in her presence, you will be reborn. Yeah. And I'm I'm totally, like, out of nowhere, have not seen anything of this series. I'm just like, I. you get to Mother, you are reborn, and this universe has been reborn several times over. And each time it's been reborn, it comes back the same but different. So that's why you've got, like, all these characters that look similar to characters in other universes. Because when the universe gets reborn, everyone gets reborn. And, like, mm. I, I when, so they said you get reborn. Like, so specifically the individual. I'm thinking the entire universe gets reset. Yeah, because this is also what we're told is a legend of what people think it is, not necessarily mm -hmm. the objective truth. Yeah, and I, I think that might be some kind of like narrative way of going like, yep, so Rave Master, the connections to Rave Master, the connections to Fairy Tale, the connections to Eden Zero, they're all canon and they're because they are leftover remnants of when the universe has been reset. That sounds really cool. I don't know if that's where it's going, but I would be so on board with that. Me too. And honestly, it'd be good cross marketing because it would definitely like I already want to check out Fairy Tale and Rave Master now. They're they're things that I've always wanted to but never gotten around to. But like reading Eden Zero really makes me want to check them. I'm out. really confused how you haven't read Fairy Tale, considering you said this kind of like etchy comedy action trash is like your jam. I'm like, that's literally Fairy Tale. That's well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's on my list. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, there was one other uh, theory that is, unfortunately, it's kind of mutual. Actually, no, it's not mutually exclusive with uh, Matt's theory. It's just it might be taking the series in a different direction, because one of the things that I immediately noticed is people unstuck in time are a thing that can happen. And Shiki remembers, has like vague memories of having met Mother and there was some hero from thousands of years ago that brought back the stories of Mother. And also we have these things that can eat time. Like once time travel got brought up, I'm like, is she time, caught in a time loop? And time doesn't mean much in this story. It's so, also that that jump forward 20,000 years with Rebecca. Actually, I, I'm going to bet there that's Rebecca's parents because it was a man and a woman and they have the same necklace as her. But mm. oh, I hadn't actually considered it like that. Yeah, but like that's just that's just the case where um, I feel like I feel like Shiki has actually like I feel like Shiki is the the hero who went out and came back with the stories of mother and time shenanigans happened. That was like once we once we we established that um, that uh, what planet was it? Uh, Noma or Norma. Once Norma was like established as like, OK, we jumped 50 years into the past. I'm like, oh, 100 percent. Shiki is the hero from. Uh, yeah. One of the interesting things that I noted about the timey-wimey nature of the story is the 20,000-year uh, flash-forward. Rebecca says that people worship Mother as a goddess of the cosmos. We don't see any of that. People don't even, like, exclaim oaths to her or mm. anything. It's not, it's not like, oh, Mother, or oh, my mother, or whatever. It's always, what in the cosmos, or uh, something to that effect. The only time we ever actively see anybody praying to Mother or treating her as a deific figure is the 20,000-year flash forward. 
So the the people 20,000 years in the future are the only ones who actually pray to Mother, as asking her to guide the souls of the two dead people they found to the Blue Paradise. The only other place we see associated with blue is Blue Garden, the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Paradise. And also, uh, Rebecca and uh, is heavily associated with blue. Mm-hmm. Her channel is literally the blue cat. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if she gets some ether powers and it's water ether. Uh-huh. And it uh, it allows her to create some sort of uh, paradiso, like, that people associate with a kind of heaven after, you know, 20 millennia removed. Zhao Mei was right. Time doesn't have much meaning in this story. <laughs> things in the dis. Things in the past and the impossibly distant future are colliding in ways that we are not sure about. Which, honestly, I think all of this talk is kind of answered the biggest question of our discussion questions. Would you continue reading? I currently have 29 open. (laughs) Yeah, I'd absolutely continue reading. Oh, one more thing about the Blue Paradise. Um, The ship is called the Eden Zero. Mm. Uh, Eden in that is the possessive. Mm-hmm. S. Eden it is, zero. Yep. It is Eden apostrophe S zero. It is the zero belonging to Eden. And uh, finally, Matt here. Uh, yeah, I'd continue reading. I, I was actually really surprised with this because I actually wasn't sure how I'd feel about this going in. This uh, honestly, this really same. surprised me. Honestly, same. In the course of my reading, I was just, you know, consuming it. I was moving through it, t- you know, taking notes, uh, engaging with the manga. It wasn't until like we got here in the discussion that I'm like, yeah, no, that was great. That was amazing. And like, I actively really, really enjoyed this. Looking back, this was really good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. In a lot of ways, uh, for me, one thing that I had been saying about it is this is absolutely my trash, but it's not really high art or anything. It's just something I enjoy a lot. But like, damn, this series can really do good like proper drama when it wants to it just yep. it all the time which fair like if the entire manga was uh was rebecca and happy dying uh i wouldn't read that because i already read blood on the tracks and that's enough just constant sadness <laughs> that i'll subject uh, the rest of you to at some point yeah delightful <laughs> 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 oh, so yeah uh thus concludes our reading dear listeners thank you for joining us um we didn't have Jay this week, and you might want to get used to a three-person show. Uh, and not because uh, Jay's not going to be here. No, she'll be back. I'm not going to be able to make it next week. Why are you doing JoJo without me? JoJo. You may have noticed Roundabout started playing, unless we can't get the rights to it, which <laughs> we can't. These, oh. these bastards are honestly doing JoJo Part 1 without me. Chapters 1 through 24, I won't be here. I'm terribly sorry about that. I look forward to angrily editing that episode and screaming at my computer with bits <laughs> I won't be able to put. Wait a minute, I'm the editor. I totally can insert my own bits, can't I? <laughs> <laughs> this no. must be the work of an enemy stand. <laughs> with the power of my stand, Pond de Replay, I can control audio files. Uh, guys, 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 we're reading part one. No stands. <laughs> Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good Good night, night, everybody.